Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for episode 70 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on January 27th, 2017 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the live chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86. Alongside me, we have the voice that launched a thousand ships, Justin Sane 0516. Justin, how have the drops been for you? The drops were amazing. Oh my God. In the same week. I got Abaddon, Thorn, and the new Icebreaker. Oh, nice. So, blammo. <laughs> or explosions, right? Yeah, yeah, oh, like okay, okay. Firefly on steroids. Yeah. Well, Mel had some things come up that require her attention, but she'll be back hopefully next week. We're, we're all definitely looking forward to having her back. And alongside us tonight... We also have our master of the mind maps, green-eyed music lover. Green, how are you doing tonight? Doing good. I'm a little jealous of Justin, honestly. I still have not gotten any drop for Icebreaker. And it's starting to get to me. That like Twitch, that the Gallahorn Twitch that I had from year one, it's coming back, but for Icebreaker. <laughs> I can I still haven't used mine. I I <sighs> I wish I could give it to you. Yeah, I, I I'd could make love a it. gift of it. I could make a gift mm-hmm. of it. <laughs> My precious. <laughs> don't don't encourage Justin. He can do the whole the uh, whole precious uh, thing. Uh, 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 <laughs> well, Green, real quick, can you uh, let us know where people can find you if they wanted to chat more with you about tonight's topic? Sure. You can find me on Twitter. It's just green-eyed music lover. Kind of weird spelling. You can find me in in the Twitch channel right now and also on Discord. You can find me there. Just tag me and I'll jump in and try to debate with you or talk to you or whatever. If you need like counseling, whatever. <laughs> it seems like I'm counseling half the time in there anymore. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And and as usual, we'll include all that stuff in the show notes as well. But real quick, the topic of today's chat is going to be an exploration of the exotic hunter armor that we have in Destiny currently. Before we get into that, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes. In our last chat, we had a chance to discuss our thoughts on being parents who are gamers. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats as well as links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat out on the internets. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing. As many of you already know... Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday at about 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network found at theguardiansofdestiny.com. These include Guardian Radio, the official podcast for the Guardians of Destiny, Guardian One, and Ghost and Echoes, which also has the Destiny audio grimoire. 
Our next chat will be an exploration of the lore surrounding the exotic warlock armor that we currently have access to in-game. With that, let's go ahead and pull up some information on these powerful artifacts that our hunters don to protect themselves from the dangers of the wilds. Lorebot, let's go. Query. Grimoire. Database. Results found. Displaying on screen. Thanks a lot, Randy. Um, so, <laughs> do we want to maybe start, just jump straight into armor pieces here, with the first hunter armor piece in alphabetical order, in alphabetical order, wow, can't talk tonight, the ATS-8 Arachnid. Yeah, um, I'm, I think real quick, I'm sorry, just real quick, the fun, no, fun... A little fun issue with the exotic armor is that unlike exotic weapons, uh, you'll notice there's no grimoire cards. So everything that we're going to talk about with this episode and, you know, next episode. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, Justin sent me messages. <laughs> everything in this episode and then the warlock armor episode, we don't really have grimoire to to read from for anybody but so everything is going to be really based off the actual flavor text of the items and some really kind of interesting connections to uh real real life you know tie-ins but um and there i think there's a few there's a few small connections inside the game to a few other like quests and stuff like that but there really really isn't a lot within the hard code grimoire itself so but yes, I think I think we should start with start with the head and work our way down the guardian. So with the helmets. Nice. Nice. Uh I call this one spider eyes. But it is the ATS eight arachnid. Um the advanced tactical sensorium, induced hallucinations, integrate broad spectrum targeting data. And uh Basically, this this armor piece, um, well, they they've tweaked it, they've tweaked it a little bit um, in vanilla. Well, I don't know if it was a vanilla. I think it was. No, originally when it dark first, below. okay, dark below. I'm sorry, excuse me. When when it first came out, it basically let Golden Gun zoom a little bit more than it did before. So it was kind of an ineffectual armor piece to begin with. And then they tweaked it a little bit, I believe, when uh, the Taken King came out to make it also make Golden Gun last a little bit longer to kind of encourage use. But it is a very intriguing looking piece of armor. Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick, some just minor minor notes here. The ATS is actually, it means Advanced Tactical Sensorium. Um, and a few interesting, a few more interesting points is there are indications of a direct neural linking technology within this helmet that is actually present elsewhere in the game on some non-exotic pieces, um, as well as I believe a few exotic warlock pieces that we'll talk about next week. Um, but that, that's a, that's an interesting piece of trivia is this thing actually plugs directly into your brain um 
And then also, and I know, uh, Green, I know that the <clears throat> the chat kind of talked about this a bit, but the ATS armor, uh, there's there's two pieces of ATS armor, um, this one and then a chest, the chest piece, which we'll get to in a minute. But mm-hmm. both of them have a the way that there's the way that the effect is described is very similar to possible effects of poisonous spider bites. Um, just the way in which they're they're actually talked about. For instance, you know, induced hallucinations is a hallucination is actually is actually a possible reaction to a, a poisonous spider bite. Um, the other one is the Tarantella and we'll talk, we'll talk about that one because that one's got some really interesting trivia connections as well too. But that, that also has something that is a, a symptom of a poisonous spider bite as well. So yeah, this, this, I hated this helmet. Can I just say that the image of this helmet is totally off-putting because you look at it and if you look at the red dots mm-hmm. and you assume those are like the eye holes, there's more than eight eyes. Mm-hmm. There's way more than eight eyes, which is both cool and creepy. But at the same time, it's like, okay, guys, count. If you're going to make well, it like an arachnid eight, I get it because it's supposed to be like sensory all around and everything and all that. Mm-hmm. That's cool. But at the same time, it's like, okay, you're making the spider reference. I get <laughs> it. It's cool. But up yeah i mean (laughs) the other the other thing is is with these helmets too to keep in mind is you know and i've I've had this conversation a couple times with people is um they're like well you know i don't there's not enough way or there's no there's nowhere that you can see out the helmet and blah 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 and it's like okay well but remember this is sci-fi um these helmets actually don't have any requirement for goggles because they all well this helmet especially because it actually integrates right into your brain but it also um it also has the capacity for a display screen within the helmet you know like you don't you don't need to have you know it doesn't in today's world we have to have well actually today's world we don't need it at all because we have it we have this technology available to us as uh as huds um they actually have that in the field for military uh squads right now they can put cameras on the tip of their gun and allow them to look around corners without even having to actually put their put themselves in danger. And so that's kind of the same technology that's being used here is it's it's actually giving you a panoramic view around your entire head. And then it's going to and that's why with this particular piece of armor, it is actually it's actually capable of giving you a 360 degree uh, view because it's indu- it's literally inducing hallucination in your brain because that is the, if you think about it that's the only way that you would be able to perceive that many angles because your eyes couldn't handle that your eyes wouldn't be able to perceive that you would have to have that directly fed into your brain for your brain to even come close to comprehending that information overload so and for me this is i mean it the concept of it is really really cool but um but yeah, I I can't stand the gold the golden gun manipulation that it does. <laughs> so, um but but let's be honest. The the majority of Destiny helmets are not so that you would naturally see out of them. Mm-mm. Right? Yeah, have you ever looked at a Destiny helmet and been like, "How the hell do you see anything?" It's something very similar to what's happening with the 
the um, arachnid, but on the arachnid, the sensors are actually visible. Um, there has to be something. Have you ever looked at the speaker and said, how in the hell does, I mean, how does he know what's going on in front of his face? There have to be sensors showing him when you look through your first person view, no matter what, um, no, no matter what helmet you are, uh, you're wearing, there's something like this going on. Um, it's, it's basic destiny helmet technology, but with the, um, ATSA arachnid, it's, um, just kind of on steroids a little bit Yeah, to, to allow you to zoom in a little bit with mm-hmm. your golden gun. I, I just, personally have never used this one. I, I used Neither it once. Do I. I used it once and I absolutely hated it because my, my one wish on this helmet is that it was toggable. You know, like the old Halo snipers, where if you hit it, like if you click hit the, in, click yeah, out. click in, click, like click in your zoom, zoom one more time, and then zoom out. Like that was what I was expecting, and so when it when it just was like, here you go, right in your face. It's like, oh wow, okay, that really threw me off. But um, well, that, yeah, that would be great for snipers in general, and right? Not- right. The golden gun, but have that ability think, with the helmet I think for the, all snipers. The biggest problem, yeah, I think the biggest problem with this is if you're running dead eye, which increases your aim assist with golden gun, you don't really need to zoom in that much. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you can cross map people the way it is. Yeah. The only other the only other thing I had on this one really was <laughs> it, it it's my my a bit of my OCD, but why is this why is this an acronym? Why is arachnid an acronym? Doesn't do, do, um, do, 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 do you think that's just a a type like a a slip or do you like think, what? Well, like what? So like the other ATS eight, right? The the ter- Tarantella that is not all caps. Arachnid is in all caps. It is the it, only so, armor piece that is in all caps except for frosty oh 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 i got something blue here we go you're gonna like this okay so everyone probably already knows this ats right Mm -hmm. that stands for advanced tactical sensorium Sensorium. right okay check this there are eight letters in arachnid you just literally came up with that on the spot (laughs) I am proud of you. I I am proud of you. It's dragon theory on the spot, everyone. I'm just riffing. I'm just riffing, Green. But Tarantella has ten. Well, I'm not saying there's rhyme or reason to it, but that's not a coincidence. Okay, it might not be a a naming convention that they stuck with, but I kid you not. ATS Advanced Tactical Sensorium. Arachnid has eight letters. ATS eight. Arachnid. Stick a fork in it. <laughs> Done. You got a slow. You got a slow clap from pins. Uh huh. Uh huh. I love that. It I hurt, love that. I hurt, just saw it hurts right telling now. you to go away. <laughs> yeah, people are putting on spin foil hats. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, the uh, and you you talk. We've talked about the exotic perk. That exotic perk is actually got a name. There is actually only one exotic item that doesn't have kind of a cool name for the perk, and you'll you'll definitely catch it when we get to it. 
Um, and this one is the arachnid sensorium. So, um, do you want, and I guess just really to, to make sure that we touch on all aspects of the trivia here, sensorium is a word that means the sensory apparatus or facilities considered as a whole. So it's basically the sum of, of a individual organism's perception or the seat of sensation. But, um, the the real trick would be able to actually perceive all of it at once. Well, and I think that that ties into the concept of it interfacing with the, um, the brain. Yeah. Charmed, charmed in chat. Basically the exotic perk is spidey sense. Yeah. Except for it really doesn't help you that much. And that it doesn't, it doesn't warn you. You just can see things. Mm hmm. But yeah, I'd I'd be curious. Yeah, it would be kind of interesting if they could do that in like gameplay. That would be a a very odd thing to see. But but yeah, so that's sensorium for those who want want that trivia definition. Um, The next one is the acleophage symbiote. Green, do you want to take that one? Because I know that one's got some some cool notes to it. I love this one. I, I think this one is too. the coolest. It's so funny. I just feel like it's like, um, oh gosh, now I'm going brain dead. It's just so ingrained. Like somebody is just being fed a bunch of BS. So the, the flavor text for this guy is they told me it would eat my thoughts and leave me full of light. And as far as the trivia for it, we've got the, the perk is it on the perk on it, the golden gun, golden gun. Gosh, Justin, you're giving me the, the stutters tonight. The golden <laughs> gun gains an additional sh- shot. Ooh, wow. And then notes. Uh, it was added in vanilla. And these are some things that uh, Rhino found is Acleus. It equals like the definition of it is mist of death. Covers eyes just before eternal darkness. Physical representation represent resembles a thrall, long nails, devious grim, and dust on shoulders. Some of these notes are a little tough to go through, Blue, without explanation. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Acleus. Well, and then the other thing is, is like, there's, there's connections to the Acleus within, obviously, within the Greek uh, mythology. Um, and basically these, these are all going to be on the mind map for anyone who wants to read all of these, but this is some stuff that Rhino had put together, uh, for his, he, Rhino does the lore cards every Thursday over on Twitter for himself and for some of his, his followers. And this is from, and so he had done this for the exotics. And I, when we talked, he was like, yeah, just put them in your notes. And that way we can make sure that we get as much information in there as we can. Um, so yeah, Acleus is the, is the, the misting of the eyes. Basically, uh, when you hear in literature, a lot of times you'll hear about people who are dying, you know, the mist comes over their eyes that is the Acleus. Acleus is that is what that is, the mist of death. But it's also, um, as in most mythology, there's also um, personifications of different things. 
And one of the personifications of Aclius in the mythology is that a, she or she might actually be a, a daughter of Nyx. Now, that name should ring a few bells. Uh, if you if it doesn't, go listen to the ship episode because mm-hmm. the fangs of Nyx. The uh, Nyx is a primordial being in the mythology of uh, Greece, and so that's a very. Oh, dude, are we going to go there again? Oh. It's such a long, <laughs> such a long rant. Um, uh, not right now. Not right now. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Oh man, yeah. Nix's Nix has tons of interesting connections. But um, another another reference of Aclius is actually a flower, um, and this was in regards to Bromios and Hera. Uh, there was a story in which Hera was. Uh, angry with some guardians from Bromios and she went to uh, Thessia and got the Thessalian Trish. Ah, man, Justin is killing us all. The uh, treacherous flowers from uh, Thessia, which was known as the Acleus. And this is basically, it allowed her to um, create a sleep enchantment over the heads of the guardians and which, you know, allowed her to take advantage of that and, and punish them as she saw fit. Um, now, and I think Green, you were going to get to this too. There's there's actual real life terminology being used here too. Did you want to talk about that real quick? The scientific terminology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the term. The connections. Yeah. Uh, the Aclius is. It also is just another word for plant life. Or it pertains to plant life, and then we get to the word phage. The other half of that is to eat. So phage is definitely related mainly to bacteria and viruses, a host eating those things. So a host somewhat eating the bacteria and viruses. Um, There's also kind of the idea of a phage that's been used in pop culture where it relates back to like a vampiric type um, phage or. Well, it's like a parasitic. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so phages phages to consume, and so a, a vampire is often portrayed as parasitic. So they they've been they're one of the nicknames that they've been used or been called as phages. Can can we go there? Yeah, we you can go there. go there. I'm totally game okay. with going there. We're so, gonna we're gonna go, go. we're gonna go, we're gonna go down the vampire path when we get to the silver silver cookie throwers. Okay. Well, uh, I've got a real spinful of you on the Aclephage symbiote. Oh God, this um, one. And it's it does not it does not really contradict anything you two have said so far. Um, basically, um, Aclios, apart from her uh, from the personifications, um, can be said to mean mist, dimness, or darkness. Um, I key on the last word, darkness because it suits my purposes best. Um, and then the root of the second part of that word, phage, um, I take back to fa- phagos, which um, devour or e- eater, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, so I roughly translate acleophage into darkness eater. Now, when you take that and you double back to the actual um, – flavor text of Aclophage symbiote. They told me it would eat my thoughts 
and leave me full of light. So what this paints for me is kind of a picture of a, a parasite. Well, in this case, not a parasite, a symbiote that consumes darkness and defecates light. Blue knows about this. He's, <laughs> he knows what's going on. So, but I some, actually some, take this one on, step just, farther. Just, some call it a darkness eater. There's other words for it. Lightness blanker. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, um, I actually, I actually have um, this, this idea. Um, I read in a Reddit post a long time ago, really well put together Reddit post that if I still had the link to, I would completely reference here, but I cannot find it anywhere. I don't know if it's been pulled, buried, whatever, but um, the, the guy pretty much laid it all out and I kind of took it one step farther. And I believe the acleophage symbiote is a small scale model of the traveler. Um, think about it. It shows up to a civilization it uh you know it imbues that civilization with light um and then for some unknown reason up until now it has always departed at some point um what if the traveler shows up starts consuming darkness you know the darkness in a, in a civilization and starts defecating light all over them and and <laughs> imbuing them with these powers and paracausal abilities. And then once all the darkness is gone, the food source has been, has been uh, exhausted. It moves on to another civilization. So um, when, you know, (laughs) when, when Chelchus says, where, where's the great machine? Where's the great machine? Well, he's done pooping on you. He's moved (laughs) moved on. Um, I am so never going to look at the little balls of light coming out of supers the same ever again. Oh, God. So, um, it makes perfect sense. God. Sure. Um, uh, yeah. This, yeah. This, theory oh, yours, this theory of yours never ceases to just kill me. Uh. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> I won't you know, get into it. If, if uh, just approach me, just approach me and ask me about my light pooper idea, and we can go on. I won't ruin this podcast any more than I already have. But. Oh God! <laughs> just going. Oh God, Justin, I can't. It's, complete, uh, it's completely logical, though. Right uh, to a degree. Okay. <laughs> yeah. To a degree, the thing the thing that it creates within me is a couple questions. Is that it, first off for the symbiotic relationship? It, the question that first comes up is: is it is it um, a mutual symbiosis, or you know, because there's different there's different forms of symbiotic relationships here. And, well, you know, the um, question that always comes is, is this a, is this a mutualistic one or a parasitic? It's got to be a mutualistic one because we're definitely getting something out of it, right? Well, even that, with, yeah, if you want to, I mean, if you want to break down again to the microcosm of the, of the exotic hunter helmet, you do gain a benefit from said 
right. eating of your thoughts and leaving you full of light. You, yes, but, to an extent, but you're eating thoughts, right? Are we losing free will? Yeah, I've never, I've never will? needed thoughts in a game of in a game of Crucible. Fair, uh, fair enough. I just need that extra golden gunshot. <laughs> Which I mean, the the exotic perk or exotic perk, last man standing. You know, given that this helmet actually generates more light, that that makes sense that you would you would be able to get an additional shot because basically this is creating a more powerful aspect of that. Um, the other the other question too here is that it's talking about consumption of darkness, but it's on top of a guardian of the light. Which that created such a huge philosophical debate, right? Within because the chat. that begs the question. That begs. There is the no pure being of light, though. No, no, I and I'm, but I and I'm, I'm completely on board with that understanding. But that begs the question of what is the difference between light and death, or not light and death? Wow, life and death, light and but dark. What is the difference between light and dark? Is it a philosophical difference, or is there an actual difference in the energy signatures of? those two sides um both both so there's the abstract difference between light and dark and then and then also scientifically like physically um and metaphorically there's a gradient from dark to light that i think exists in all of us in destiny so um you want to talk metaphorically the the gradient between good and evil. No one's completely good. No one's completely evil. It's all shades of gray. The mm-hmm. same applies to light. Um, the spectrum of light as we know it physically, how it exists right now in our actual world, it's a spectrum. Um, it exists in, in gradients and ranges. It doesn't exist in absolutes. And I have no reason to believe that it's any different in destiny. Yeah, and I would I would go more with the spectrum argument than with the good evil person. Mm-hmm. Just just yeah, no, because no, I, I was just trying I to relate it. Right, right, right. So. I was trying to relate it uh, to the metaphorical good versus mm-hmm. evil. We we love. I think we talked about this. We yeah, love we to do. deal on absolutes because it's really easy for our um, small form human minds, as Tolan puts it. But it. You know, it's really easy for us if we can if we can, um, you know, make something an absolute and say, oh, this is the this is the red thing. The red thing's always bad. I don't even have to think about it. If I see the color red, I know it's bad. Um, And that's actually the base um, impulse that that actually is able to cultivate things like racism and generalisms and things like that is we love to stereotype um, not only people and ideas, but also physical things. Um, and in the beginning, it was a survival. It was a survival uh, impulse. You know, something harmed us. We, we filed that away in our brain and said, yeah, that's a bad thing every time. So yeah. I'll, I'm done now. Okay. You you can you can take over. All right, let's 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 shine let's shine the light on the celestial nighthawk real quick. Are you guys you guys good to <laughs> Nighthawk. Um which is the required shout out if you ever have this. 
and are in the vault. We glass. will do a vault of glass. <laughs> I was about to say, the vault of glass gets really interesting when you follow this rule. <laughs> Nighthawk. Uh, so the Celestial Nighthawk, uh, the exotic perk on this one is Big Game. It's an amazing perk. It gives you one shot with the golden gun, but that one shot deals six times the damage and has the ability of keyhole, which is basically an overpenetration addition to the the bullet. So you can actually really screw people up or Templars. You can really, really destroy things with that thing. Um, This was actually added in the House of Wolves. uh, And so this was sadly after vault of glass was in the was in the big norm but we all definitely mm-hmm. took this back in there i think I, it go for yeah it. i think i ran more vault of glass oh, yeah. once house oh yeah dropped yeah than anything but um and so some notes that we got from rhino on this one uh dealing with the, the actual animal the nighthawk uh this is a predatory bird uh, it hunts at nightfall or during long periods of darkness, which is where the name Nighthawk comes from. Uh, Celestial is obviously an angelical commentary there uh, in philosophy and astronomy. The, the celestial sphere is used to map the contents of space related to a solar system. Uh, this is often portrayed in con- concentric cer- uh, spheres that place celestial bodies within one another to show proximity and plot courses as well as that proximity. Um, the ancients viewed the heavens and the vacuum of space is as one of these celestial spheres. Uh, uh, Aristotle was a very big proponent of the celestial spheres and the music of the spheres was something that he spoke about, which a lot of destiny players probably recognize that terminology. That was actually the, the soundtrack that a lot of the original destiny was portrayed all around. Um, and then also the stars are used to navigate ships at sea through the darkness is being used with the celestial understanding and stuff like that. So those were the notes that Rhino sent us on the Celestial Nighthawk. Do you guys have anything else on that one? Yeah, I do. Okay. But let's see what Green has. Uh, the only thing I have is the first three that we've gone over so far, the Arachnid, the Symbiote, and the Nighthawk, are all primarily geared towards the the uh, Golden Gun perk. All three of them are very specific towards Golden Gun. Um, there's only one other exotic that we're going to be going over for the Hunter that does that as well, and that's the Young Amakara Spine, which is my favorite, but we're going to get there eventually. But yeah, that's the only one that's solar, or these are the only ones that are solar in the grouping. Um, Justin, tag, you're it. Yay! <laughs> um, so, I just want to jump out there with this and include the the uh, qualifier that this is not canon, what I'm about to say, because it is a previous iteration of this armor piece. Originally, this armor piece was actually called Exotac angel hunter and this is this is the name that was actually data mined before god when did this um when did nighthawk drop in house of wolves Wolves, yeah Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah so during dark below during dark below they data mined um a bunch of armor pieces for uh you know for house of wolves and exotac angel hunter was one of them um and it was a vastly different 
helmet perk wise back then, everything, all the perks and stuff were, were geared towards being in the air when you're shooting. It had the Icarus perk on it. It had, and it was, that was before the Icarus perk was like a thing. Cause I think during house of wolves, when that was, when that perk really, uh, yeah. started to make its way into, into weapons and armor. So, um, it it was definitely geared towards being in the air while you shot stuff. Um, I actually really, really um, keyed on the fact that they called it an angel hunter. Um, and the only reason for that was I get, when I look at the face of the celestial nighthawk, I get a very, very seraphim vibe from it. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't know why, but, um, and real quick before I move on from this, I'm going to read the old flavor text that was data mined, which is built from a golden age combat pilot sensorium. It orients the brain during sharp maneuvers. So, um, they definitely went a, like a 180 from that with the new flavor text, which I actually believe is much better. Mm-hmm. Um, starlight is my guide is like one of my favorite lines ever. But um, yeah, I definitely um, the hunter part of it hasn't changed from from the previous to now because the the main perk on the the existing armor piece is actually big game hunter, which is exactly how that piece of armor is you know intended to be used. But yeah, that's all I've got. I just wanted to kind of. Yeah, and then going down the angel hunter thing, it's interesting there because you have ships like the Seraphim Toaster and things that are hinting at, you know, killing angels and, you know, maybe that. Maybe not angels, maybe, maybe risen, maybe guardians, you know, you you know, um, maybe it's, it was a helmet that was, that was created for the simple, um, task of, putting down a rabid dog with paracausal abilities. I don't know. It's, it's a thought. Mm. Mm. Um, it was a valid one. <laughs> it's a valid one. Yeah. And, uh, charmed in chat is bringing up to when you ADS with the Nighthawk, the eyes, eyes glow. Oh, that is such yeah. a good, Yes. Yes. That is That's a fun one. That is a really good one. Um do we want to move on to the next hunter helmet? To the awesome hunter helmet? The smoke face the hunter smoke helmet. Face. Um graviton forfeit. Doesn't matter how good you are. You stay out there too long, you're not coming back. Not the same way you left anyway. Tevis so yeah, everyone's favorite, um, night stalker, Tevis. I really wish he would have actually been able to like survive and us be able to meet him. We, we carry, we carry a piece of him with us. Yeah, but still sad. So two fingers up for Tevis. mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I'm actually pouring some of my drink out because I've heard that's what the kids do. Um, (laughs) And now he's so, going to have to vacuum. Ah, oh, dang. <laughs> uh, do we want to talk about 
the actual scientific phenomena of the yeah. graviton. Yeah. Well, real quick, the exotic perk for graviton is the elusive shadow, which is basically it gives you the shade step ability for night stalker, the night stalker subclass. So it basically allows you to use shade step in addition to another perk of your night stalker subclass. So, yes. Now you can talk about the graviton and what what is the graviton, Justin? So, it's completely theoretical. If we could prove it existed, we'd be a lot farther along than we are now. But in theoretical physics, the graviton is is a hypothetical elementary particle that mediates the force of gravitation in the framework of quantum field theory. Um, If it actually exists, uh, it's expected to be massless. Um, And basically you can, you can view the graviton as the particle um, that defies gravity, which actually kind of makes a little, a little bit of sense when you think of the the helmet being the graviton forfeit and you're allowed to do this kind of um this kind of otherworldly backflip at a moment's notice i always um, viewed it as a barrel roll yeah yeah do a barrel roll you know <laughs> um so it kind of makes sense um this is solely a a theoretical particle, the graviton. Um, you know, it's it, the fact that it ends in RON, they're classifying it like a proton, electron, or neutron. The graviton is the, you know, it's, it's the particle the, that, it's yeah. Literally the th- yeah, it's literally the theory that there, gravity itself is a particle, not um, a magnetic force or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Kind of more related to the, how light is both a, a particle and not a particle at the same time as it's, energy. It's, it's a particle and a wave. Well, it yeah. exhibits both, both characteristics, both properties. Yeah. That's the same with the graviton. It's a pretty relatively older theory. As far as physics goes, it's probably been about 10 years since anybody's really thought too much about it, but they're still, everyone's still looking yeah. and whatnot. It actually makes me think of the, of the movie interstellar. Which oh, I recently God. watched. <laughs> Every episode so far, he's brought this stupid movie up. Movie's amazing. <laughs> Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Well, hey, knucklehead. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you want to talk about like something irrelevant, just go ahead. Okay, so let's talk about the knucklehead <laughs> radar, which is I'm the helmet just that Justin's wearing right now. Um, oh. <laughs> I just does anybody else get like the uh, three stooges thing in their head when they hear this one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so knucklehead radar flavor text is you can see the point, right? Who wants to team up with one? Um and so yeah, the the exotic perk is sensor pack, and basically what this is is it gives you the perk of uh it gives you the ability that your radar remains active while aiming down sights on your primary weapon. And I, I just blanked on what that perk was. Is it sensor pack? Is that what that perk is? Yeah, it's sensor pack. Okay. That's, that's what it is. Okay. 
Um, and this knucklehead was actually added in the vanilla game. Um, and it, it basically <laughs> knucklehead there green, the, the comment about the three stooges knucklehead is a nickname of the three stooges. Mm-hmm. A knucklehead mm-hmm. is a dullard dense minded person often attributed to fighters and brawlers, mostly because of the, the brain damage that has been done. And, uh, the uh, the humor that Rhino sent us is the fact that you have a radar so good that you can even see the point of an argument. And the interesting contradiction here is that this actually allows you to avoid becoming a knucklehead because it gives you third, third eye. Thank you, Charmed. Third eye is the one I was thinking of. It gives you the third eye perk, which is the allowing yeah, which your is, radar to stay active. They made, it, they made the helmet just completely non-viable by putting that perk on like most scout rifles <laughs> yeah that's why i love and, mida plus the the boost to agility well you don't even need mida for that now like you get no, that no it's mida you can just stop talking yeah you you can get that on like most any scout rifle if you just play no, a little bit no mm-hmm. just mida just mida just mida that's mm-hmm. the only one they put it on mm-hmm Oh, that's the only one that you need to use. I don't I don't know what else they put it on because I don't use anything other than Mida. Why would you use anything other than Mida? Because he goes real hard, you know. He does the <sighs> the real gamers. Go go back to I'm play. a try hard. Yeah, go back to playing salvage. I'm you a try hard. You need the you need a third man. Oh no. Oh. Uh, good go transition. <laughs> good good transition. <laughs> Uh, okay. It wasn't Mask me. Of the third man. It wasn't me. It was the third man. <laughs> so yeah, this this is a fun one too. Go ahead, Greg. Oh gosh. Okay. So this one, I'm I've prepared my my body is prepared for the rant that's going to be happening here pretty soon because I know it's coming. <laughs> it's so amazing. Um, all right. So Mask of the Third Man. It's perk. It's one of the arc. Uh, exotics that we have as a hunter and its perk is for the arc blade to use less super energy and it's called the unstable current Uh, some of the notes it was added in vanilla and it's the third man factor is the kind of big note that's going to be talked about quite a bit here is an unseen presence such as a guardian or spirit which provides support during traumatic experiences so that guardian angel type character that yes. shows up in a lot of books and other things and take it away blue because yes. i know you're itching okay. for it so there's there's a couple a couple points i wanted to point out here um we talked about it a little bit in chat a lot of people have kind of pointed out that this this helmet has a face similar to that of eris morn um i personally and I've, I said this, I think I said this on another episode, but I personally kind of think that this is actually Eris's helmet um, or a helmet that has been kind of made in memoriam of her because the concept of the third man, um, the third man is actually a syndrome or a factor uh, that does actually exist. Uh, the The first kind of reference that a lot of people attribute this to is, well, it was popularized by uh, John Geiger in a book called The Third Man Factor, which is basically a book that just documents 
tons and tons of examples of this. But one of the one of the primary first examples of the third man syndrome or the third man factor was actually from an individual who goes by the name of Sir Ernest Shackleton in a book that is called South. And it's it's talking about his journey through South Georgia, which is a a island chain that is very, very far south. Uh, it's in close to the Antarctica continent. And he was basically kind of stranded in this, this leg of their journey. And they basically had to march for 36 hours over mountains and glaciers. And there was points at which this whole adventure was that he, he basically says that during this long racking march, it seemed that the group was made of four people, not three. So it was, it was originally him and two other people, but he said that all three of them at various points referred to, there was an additional individual with them, which basically then gets transferred into a lot of other survivors of very, very traumatic and harsh environments coming forth and kind of talking about this this concept of a a guardian spirit or a a, a feeling of something being there um you know there is a lot of case studies in which adventurers uh sailors and shipwreck survivors were the actually the biggest uh group of people who reported this phenomenon and that is simply because that is one of the most traumatic experiences ever is you know, a, like a shipwreck survivor, he's stuck or she's stuck in the middle of an ocean. There's no nothing or, you know, stuck on a, a desolate island, you know, whatever it is, the classic, the classic shipwreck situation. Um, you know, the, uh, oh God, what's the Tom Hanks video? Wilson! Yeah. Well, Wilson, Wilson is kind of, it's, it's a, it's a, it's not the third man factor, but it, it's a very similar concept. A, a human being, uh, in complete solitude, we're not designed to, to handle that. Like that's, that's not something that we are, we are psychologically usually equipped to be able to do. Um, it's a very rare individual who can actually be in pure solid, solitary confinement for a very extended period of time and not suffer any breakdown psychologically. What this well, is often think about it. That's why solitary is the worst. Right. No, 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 no. Yeah. And that's what I was about to say. And that's why it, yeah. that's why it is referred. That's why it's, you know, used at such a, such a degree in correctional facilities is because it is an actual psychological <clears throat> punishment. Um, and so a lot of psychologists in today's world have actually attributed the third man factor to to a degree that they actually use it to treat victims of trauma. Tying this back into destiny, though, the reason that I kind of tie this into Eris is because of that entire concept, it, the third man factor is really only present in situations where the individual in question has um, has gone through immense trauma. And mm-hmm. there is a degree in which this this spirit or this this imaginary friend, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, psychologists have referred to it as a cultivated inner character. And, you know, their degree in reality in our world, the the psychological response is, you know, hey, in your worldview, in your paradigm, um, if this cultivated inner character gives you imagined support and comfort to the degree that it actually actually does create a viable coping mechanism and actually benefits your individuality, 
or your individual, you know, repair of the psychological damage that your trauma had, then we are going to support this. They are actually using third man factor to treat PTSD, to treat, you know, uh, severe trauma patients. This is something that is actually used in a lot of times. And so with Eris in the perception, in the, in the situation for Eris, you know, she was stuck in the hive for 10 years, you know, for nearly a decade. That's a very traumatic thing. And she didn't have anybody. She didn't have anybody with her other than the journal of Toland, who was the, and this is even an, another little thing is technically Toland was around, but you know mm-hmm. what Toland was? He was a disembodied spirit. So he literally yeah. was a third man. He was definitely kind of that uh, on the shoulder mm-hmm. type character for sure. And, you know, you think about it, you talk about all the different references to it. Do you remember, I know my earliest reference to this, and it's literally, it was sitting over my mom's toilet when I was growing up, believe it or not. My mom had a picture with the footprint story, mm-hmm. yeah, that, yeah. that, that little biblical story or whatever. And that was, that's literally the same thing. It's just the story of the third man, just yeah. in a different context. Yeah. And uh, this is also, you know, I can't I can't help but point out the Dark Tower connection here as well. Um, there there is a a very influential poem to the Dark Tower. Uh, actually, one of the books is referred is basically this poem, and that's The Wasteland. And this is T.S. Eliot's poem, The Wasteland, which was written in 1922. Um, that poem uh, actually has a segment of it. That was directly inspired by Shackleton's experience. Um, and Eliot actually made notes when, when he released his notes about these poem, the poems that he wrote. He actually called out this, this segment. And I'm going to read it in just a second. The segment and deliberately said this, this, these lines were inspired by Shackleton's experience. Um, and this is lines 359 through 365 of the poem, The Wasteland. And he says, who is the third who walks always beside you? When I count, there are only you and I together. But when I look ahead up the white road, there is always another one walking beside you, gliding, wrapped in a brown mantle, hooded. I do not know whether a man or a woman, but who is that on the other side of you? So, yeah, I'm gonna, I will, I will stop stop it but there's there's yeah this is this is a huge in literature this is a huge issue on and in reality this is also a very very big thing that a lot of people are familiar with and you know like i said in psychological thought process and application this is actually used to help people in traumatic experiences or to recover from traumatic experiences which is awesome yes and that is also go for it Oh no! I was gonna say. Also, I think uh, naturally it occurs at, when something traumatic happens mm-hmm. to somebody. Sometimes they they kind of describe the the sensation of being out of body watching it happen, um, and they'll actually project that like it actually happened to somebody else, not not to them. And yeah, I think that's yeah, that's that's a bit more like disassociative identity disorder, but. Yes. 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 But I think that's, I mean, technically that, that it's not the same thing, but it's down the same road. And I could see Eris completely, completely, um, you know, mind over matter 
trying to take herself out of her horrible situation and, you know, kind of have an out of body experience, if you will. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, Eris, Eris is the poster child for disassociative identity disorder and third man factor in Destiny at the moment. Like, the, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to go into the graphic. I, this is something that, like, I spent a good, good amount of time researching uh, when I was in college. And yeah, it, I mean, the, the situations in which you see, you see true DID, uh, they, tend they they tend uh they tend to be very graphic let's just say that um there's there's a specific situation a specific type of trauma that it is very popular in um and it is not a good one uh and so and that's and that's the entire point is that it's your it's your brain literally breaking itself to allow you to survive and this is kind of a similar thing. The third man factor is kind of the same concept, except it's not so much your brain breaking itself as much as your brain is perceiving an imagined, imagined individual external from yourself in which your social needs for that trauma to be offset is allowed. Um, because again, humans, humans naturally are a social animal. We need, we need a social situation in which to help heal. And if you can't acquire that social situation in a normal situation, like a normal setting, then your brain will create that setting or that paradigm in which your brain can try to begin self-healing. Your brain is a very fascinating concept or very fascinating machine. It, it, it's a literally redefining reality to itself in order to help it heal itself from the trauma that such reality had imposed on it. So yes, let's move on to something simpler. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, The helmet. No one use. I don't, I didn't even know this helmet existed. I'll be honest. I'm like, I, I pulled this up and I'm like, what, what is this? It is the Jelly Belly helmet, is what I call it. I love it. That's awesome. I'm going to start calling it that. The Jelly Belly helmet. It looks like the Jelly Belly flavor. Uh, If I had to name it, it would be seaweed. It's the Sky Burner Xanax. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, the Sky Burner Xanax. I was so excited when I got this, and then I had it, and I was like, hmm. That was unfounded enthusiasm Um, to die twice in a strange land. First by Oryx's hand, then by yours. Um, The sky burners annex. So I will let blue share who he thinks is saying these words right here. And I'll see if I agree. I have no idea. I think it's, I think it's what's his face. Primus. You're correct. Yes. Thank you. Ding, I was ding, like, ding, man, ding, that ding. was on the spot. I'm like, I to, just told you, I didn't even know this helmet existed. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. to die first, to die first was to be man. taken. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then, and then to yeah. die first was to be taken. And then he actually was actually killed by us. So yeah, that you, you kind of took the fun out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Sad. Good. Justin is sad. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, 
the exotic perk is versatile shooter, uh, which actually gives you a couple different benefits. Basically, not if, really. Yeah, well, <laughs> on on the bullet point list, there are more than one, so there are two. So that is a couple benefits. If you really want to split hairs with me on that one, um, I I don't know if they're benefits. I guess. Anyways, yeah, that's heavy kills. My, my contention was that there were benefits, <laughs> not that there were a couple of them. <laughs> so this one is heavy kills can generate orbs of light, and then uh, picking up an orb while you are while your super bar super energy bar is full has the potential to grant special ammo. So, yay! The only place I can think that in the game that would mm. this would be beneficial because crucible yes. that's just dumb um is when you do oh what is it came in ta- uh, house of wolves it's the it's not skolas but that prison that of elders could, yeah the prison of elders you could use that to do like the newer version of the prison of elders and actually get some benefit out of it but other than that it's pretty useless oh okay so i don't yeah yeah, this, this, perk, <laughs> this perk is always useless. Here's my contention here, okay? Here's my contention. I don't want to accidentally consume orbs while I'm running around the map. I want to save those for a super, which is way more potent than the special ammo, which is dropping anyways. So, yeah, this is... Yeah, jelly bean helmets largely ineffectual. Um but does look cool. And it was my first <laughs> it was my uh first drop in uh Taken King, so that's something. So okay. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna put us derailed a little bit. If the uh what helmet was it that did the pooping out the symbiote mm-hmm. so if the, that helmet does the the pooping out of the orbs what is the trigger for this one to poop out orbs well this one doesn't poop out orbs kind of does no it it transmats orb collection into special ammo which is heavy ammo the darkness now no no the, all of this is useless um this is this is this is a transmat trick as opposed to the symbiote which is a much which is a much more direct manipulation of the light. So this is this is a this is kind of a a hack in your in your ammo transmat system. So this is using the light that's in an orb of light on the ground and and manifesting special ammo where the other where the other is fundamentally changing the nature of your super so the symbiote is and, and this actually rings true for the actual armor piece and its power in the game it wields a lot more raw power whereas the annex or as the annex is quite simply um you know just an ancillary little converter yeah yeah it's 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 a much more pedestrian process to because you got to think about it your your ghost 
it it needs light to transmit you like a synthesis of heavy ammo or special ammo or you know whatever it is. It's the same process. It's just being done automatically on an orb pickup. Right. So something that did got get brought up in chat was the the whole thing about the taken. It's not a is it it is an primus or is it not a primus? No, it is not a primus. It it is. I don't even know. I'm going to butcher this pronunciation. Varun, who is the first of Oryx. He is the boss in the outbound signal mission, and this is his helm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I saw the picture. Yeah. You are correct. So, I was wrong. Good good catch uh, that was charmed and hurt in live chat that gave me a, a slap on the wrist. So yes. it, it's really for me. It's not for you. Okay. Okay. Justin got in trouble. I didn't get in trouble. Yeah. Don't lash out at the blue. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, wow. So we are an hour and a half in. Are we done with helmets? Yeah, I think we're done with the, the head, the head cases. Right. You want to run Yay. through the, you want to run through cloaks real quick? Cause that'll take like two seconds. Cause mm-hmm. yeah, no Do one, it. no one cares about, the chaos cloak uh the cloak of oblivion is just simply awesome the cloak of the rising is you know good for lighting torches and the night Excuse stalker <laughs> i was wondering how long it was going to take you to interrupt me on this sorry it's like, wait what are we doing you're, you're literally just like <laughs> on all over these guys what the heck shh, shh. only the good ones the night stalker and the oblivion cloak i mean come on <sighs> who wants to wear a pink Purple cape. Oh, I don't want to wear it. First of all, okay. I don't chaos cloak is it. the best cloak. Oh, God. Here there's we go. Only, okay. There's only <laughs> no. one cloak better than the chaos cloak. And, that's and that the one, and that cloak. one's the cloak of the rising. So let's just leave it at that. We all represent different factions. <laughs> the shattered vault cloak is pretty bad. I, I will shattered vault that. cloak's the best cloak in the game. There's it, that's full. Like I, I'll go full bife on you. Go full uh, stop. No, um, that's the best cloak the race, in the game. The racing cloak is the best. Get out of here! <laughs> I, no, you I know, mean I, really. Leave. I love that cloak. All I love that cloak. I love green. I want green stripes. That's uh, yeah. what I wear. You can you can put chroma on it. On the thing, I on know. The ones. That's how you so. actually get the stripes. Like if you don't do have you, chroma in it, it's blank. Do you know how how you have a good cloak? It doesn't it's got need new chroma. On it. it doesn't need chroma. <laughs> it it's a classic, the timeless classic. Life chat. Do not get political. You will keep your work right on yourself. now. <laughs> I, everyone listening, you can throw as much salt at me as you want. If you put the shattered vault cloak on and put glow who is your shader. Tell me you aren't the dopest looking hunter ever. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm all right. Say. So and the chaos cloak is amazing. So, so chaos, so chaos cloak is the future war cult. Uh, flavor text is there is no doubt that our future will be one in battle. We kind of, we kind of did talk about the chaos cloak in the future war cult episode. Mm-hmm. Um, As we should have. <laughs> the exotic perk for this one is gladiator. Uh, which is an exotic perk for most of the future workhold exotic items. Uh, basically, what that one does is it does it gives you rep is gained quicker for future workhold, and then 
actually the chaos cloak actually gives you an effect to your spawn in animation. I don't ever remember any of these, but apparently there's a future war cult effect that is added to your spawn animation. Um, this one was added in taking King and then, uh, there is, there is an interesting additional exotic perk, which is called the life exotic, uh, on this cloak, all the faction exotic cloaks have this additional exotic perk. And this basically allows this exotic item to be worn with another exotic armor piece, uh, because Mm -hmm. they don't really, it's, it's a, it's an aesthetic item. It doesn't actually do anything like the other armor does. So, um, and then the next one is the cloak of oblivion, uh, which that flavor text says our salvation lies ahead of us. Go forth. There is nothing left to leave behind. So I'll give you 10 guesses on which faction that is. And yep, you're probably correct. That's dead orbit, um, dead orbit. The exotic perk for this one is pathfinder. Uh, again, similar to Gladiator, this gives you additional faction rep, which is Dead Orbit rep. And then a Dead Orbit effect is added to the spawn animation. Uh, and again, similar to the Chaos Cloak, this also has the Life Exotic, as does Cloak of the Rising. And Cloak, mm-hmm. of, the, Cloak of the Rising says, The new monarchy is the Aegis that guards humanity. Uh, so this is obviously the new monarchy exotic one. The exotic perk here is vanquisher and similar to the other two, it gives you additional faction rep and an effect to spawn animation. It also has the life exotic. The final exotic cloak is the night stalker cloak, which is not the same as the very similar cloak of the night i can't remember what it exactly is but there's like one there's there's the night stalker cloak and then there's like night stalkers cloak mm-hmm, that's the vanguard is, cloak yeah it, uh, it? I, uh, so confusing but anyways night stalker cloak says live and die by the draw of a bow um now this is this is a cloak that was added in the taken king specifically to assist in the leveling up um of the new subclass for hunters the night stalker uh this exotic perk is called nocturnal and basically what this does is it gives you your subclass upgrades 25 percent faster while your overall character level goes up 10 percent faster um this cloak does not have the life exotic because of the benefit due to leveling it was powerful enough that they didn't feel the need to blend it with another exotic item. Not to mention, I don't know anyone who wore this longer than they had to. Um, mm-hmm. Just simply because it, eh. We out-leveled it really quick. Yeah. This was not a cloak that you wore for aesthetics. Though it is interesting that it has what looks to be Eris's little flower on the back of it. That's true. But yes. And apparently, Chess pieces? Apparently now there's a massive argument over the power levels of cloaks. Yes. Yes. And actually charmed Pluto. I can accept that. <laughs> if I give my power rankings of all hunter cloaks, number one being shattered vault, two being shroud of flies, three chaos cloak, four strength of the pack, 
five mantle of Perun. And if you want to argue my number six Cloudwalker tribute, I'm okay with that. I'm okay. Charm Pluto wants mantle of Galleon, but it's okay. <laughs> You're not screwing around. I'm a hunter. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> All right. Chess next pieces. week. Next week, I'll be lost. <laughs> Let's do it. Oh gosh. Will anybody be? Does anybody else like? Is that anybody second? Is a warlock? Mm, or do you even second? War, my warlock has a light level of ninety-eight. You're, okay, you're, got it. You're better than mine. I think mine's sitting at like five. <laughs> Need five to come on next week. Oh, we so do. Or or Mesa. Or maybe Mesa. Yeah, Mesa. <laughs> Since he's right. your new best friend. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's my new bestie. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll reach out. Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll make it happen. Chess um, pieces. The no, ATS-8 Tarantella, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Piezo way weave induces controlled muscle spasms to improve combat performance. So um, there's a couple things here that stand out to me. Um does anyone want first dibs or can I go ahead and go? Exotic perk. Exotic perk. I can't even remember. Do it. The Tarantella. Uh, this is a, there's a couple benefits to this one. Uh, the first one is you have reduced arc damage from the minions of darkness. And then the second is your arc grenade and your melee have a reduced timer. So it takes less time for them to charge. I believe is what that one is. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't use this particular armor. So Oh, and it was added, obviously it was added in the Taken King. Mm-hmm. So back to back to, back to you, Justin. Evil thralls. It gets rid of um, evil thralls. Okay, so this is this is actually a, a very cool thing because it actually ties into something I'm I'm decently knowledgeable about in my in my actual job. Uh a piezo, um, it's I believe an Italian term, but it's mm-hmm. actually it's the um, guiding principle of what makes most 20th century watches work. Um, a piezo electric device is one in which you can go one of two ways with it. You can either apply pressure to a crystal. And said pressure will will cause an electric charge to be present. Or you can take that same crystal and apply an electric charge to it, and the crystal will vibrate. This is how a quartz watch works. You mm-hmm. actually take the voltage from the battery and apply that to a quartz crystal, and that causes it to vibrate. Now... They they've been able to fine tune this. Um, they've been able to fine tune this to the point where a certain voltage will will actually cause a certain amount of vibration at a certain interval to happen, and that's how an actual quartz watch works. Um, this is used a lot of times in industry for um, things like uh, um, strain um, sensors or or pressure sensors where you have the strain that's on a structure and it's actually pressing on a piezoelectric sensor where the amount of pressure you exert on it 
will actually cause it to emit a, uh, you know, a certain voltage. Um, so this is really interesting for the ATSA Tarantella because it says Pieta wave induces controlled muscle spasms to improve combat performance. So essentially this piece of armor turns you into a Casio watch. <laughs> I love how I love how you spend this whole time and I'm, I I comment in chat even it's like I I'm enjoying this. I'm learning something from Justin. People are going, "Wow, we're learning something from Justin." And then you end it with a Casio watch. My favorite type uh, of watch. I'm simple folk. Uh, <laughs> I was waiting for the so, shoe to fall. <laughs> Oh, like, God. Where is this going? You know, I, I should just expect it. I, 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 I don't. I don't yet. Blue, I don't. Blue wasn't born yesterday. He was I born at I, night, but he wasn't born last night. He uh, knows what he knows. I'm like, I'm like, where is this going? I, there's gonna be something here. So no, but how I how I view the ATS8 Tarantella working is it's actually taking pressure inputs um, externally and. And converting those to electrical signals that can then that mm-hmm. can be kind of uh, interpreted by whatever I mean, whatever you want to call your guardians on board HUD, the ghost, I guess. And you know, it's if you it's just go, if you go yeah. along with your like uh, your crystal idea as far as how the how you say it, the pezzo, piezo, uh, piezo is how piezo. I say it. piezo. So with the, with the Italian, when you uh, if you go along with that, if you think okay, we're guardians, we channel the light. Uh, crystals channel light; they filter light and everything. We're kind of that crystal there. So, yeah, you can you can really work that into it, definitely, and argue for it for sure. Yeah, can I can I say something just real quick? That. A lot of times when I talk science on this show, I'm reading it. I said all that from just general knowledge because I knew that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There was no web page up. There was no web page up. (laughs) Good job, Justin. I'm so Yay, Justin. Move it along, Blue. (laughs) So (laughs) then. Um, the other the other trivia fact here is what exactly the Tarantella is. Um, a Tarantella is actually a exorcism exorcism dance, uh, and basically what this exorcism dance does it's a fast tempo dance that is actually meant to you to be used to cure a bite from a tarantula. Uh, it's a Spanish dance that evolved from or a Spanish dance evolved from this practice. Uh, basically of sweating out the poisoning from tarantula bites. And it was also thought to cleanse the blood and help heal the effects of the bite. Um, the, the condition of this is called the tarantism, which is conditioning of poison or hysteria. And uh, yeah. And then the Piezio is, Justin was talking about has the mapping of bioelectrical engineer from muscles to control prosthetic and other reflex controlled elements. Um, so there is actual real world application using that technology already within the prosthetic and other hardware for individuals who have need for that. Um, and then again, obviously as, as with the arachnid helmet, ATS 
indicates mean or ATS means advanced tactical sensorium. Um, the flavor text in which it was talking about muscle spasms and stuff like that, that is actually another effect of a spider bite, a poisonous spider bite, which is where the tarantella comes from. So <clears throat> that is that chess piece. Uh, the next one that we have is the crest of alpha lupi green. Do you mm-hmm. want to take that one real quick? Sure. This one is a fun one, especially after rise of iron. Uh, the flavor text is you've heard every last tale of the wolf by now. None of them are true. You are the wolf. So definitely totally applies to what has happened since the rise of iron, since the whole wolf theme has really come into play in the game. Uh, the exotic perk is called keeper of the pack. And this used to be super important, but not as much anymore. It would allow you to revive and be revived quicker and you would also generate more orbs of light. So it used to be the go-to for trials for any hunter who even attempted trials. Um, anybody, not me. Also, it was added in vanilla. And then we get into all the fun stuff as far as the trivia facts. Like Lupi being a constellation of brightest of the nine stars in the Lupus constellation, which is ten times larger than our sun. And lots of other fun facts, and I'm going to pass it off because I'm talking and rambling and sound like I'm rambling. So, <laughs> tag. Um, real quick, Pins Pins has called me to task in chat. Tarantella and Tarantism is actually from southern Italy, not Spain. I am geographically ignorant on this. Um, Tarantella is it originated in southern Italy, and it was a basically a piece of music written in fast six eight time. Uh, Tarantism is actually defined as a psychological illness characterized by an extreme impulse to dance prevalent in southern Italy from the 15th to the 17th century and was widely believed at the time to have been caused by the bite of a tarantula. So it is a form of historic uh, hysteric behavior that was in the it's actually believed to be rebite for, believed to be from the bite of a wolf spider, which was Lycosa tarantula, um, which apparently is a distinct, f- distinct animal from within the normal class of spiders called tarantulas. That's they, they mm-hmm. felt that there was needed to be pointed out that it was the wolf spider, not a tarantula. So obviously a special I'm special kind of, note. I'm going to pass that information on in case someone out there really, really needs to know that, um, watch out for those things. You don't want to break out and dance. I, do you know what? I always viewed the word, the term Tarantella as like Quentin Tarantino came out with his special brand of Nutella. Oh, but I can see that too. That seems plausible as well. Um, so the crest of Alpha Lupi. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing. So not it only does it help you. Amazing. Oh, it's still good. It's still good if you die a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, not only does it help you to create more orbs, which is a great, a great perk, by the way, um, just like Green said for trials and whatnot. Also, it helps you to be revived quicker this part of this part um 
of the perch structure of this chess piece, it kind of, it doesn't do much concretely, but it, it almost makes me a little bit more sound in my, in my opinion that the, the alpha loop pie or the, the first wolves, um, might have to do with a group of travelers, but I, I don't want to get into that too much, but it there's, there's something very potent in your use of the light when you're wearing this chess piece that allows you to revive someone quicker. Think about it in, in terms of use of light, reviving someone is one of your most potent manifestations of your use of light o- only probably surpassed by your super um, and I can't think of anything else. So the fact that this piece of armor that is the crest of these alpha lupi is the, the one piece that allows you to do that thing quicker is kind of speaks to the fact that it's a very potent piece of armor to me, to me, I have my own right. kind of twisted and, you know, kind of convoluted reasons for thinking this, but I think that's, that's not far off. Right. I mean, it's still ter- it's terribly useful in all sorts of different situations, which is great. But I think the thing that I was just saying is that you used to be able to do the sprint revives and literally run, revive the guy while you, he's down and keep running. You don't, you didn't have to stop. Now yeah. they took that out where you just have a bit more of a pause. So it's not as useful and you're more likely to get sniped out before you get there. But well, yeah, that's that's kind of from a game mechanic standpoint. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about more of like a lore standpoint where where this thing is able to speed up the one thing that is like it, it, it's one of the most powerful things we do. Right. So it's the jump this start. Is a, this is a very, very, very powerful. Um, I don't want to say totem, but it's a very powerful um, little p- artifact it's, it's, yeah. yeah it's it's a very potent armor piece is what i'm trying to get at and i do not think that it's a coincidence that it has to do with alpha lupi and that's why and the titan piece is pretty much mirrored right i think it's just interesting because all of these exotics basically channel the light in a different way so this one uses it to jumpstart or revive somebody much quicker. Some of them shoot out more orbs. Some of them just focus the light better. It's just all a variation on that theme. Except for Lucky Raspberry. That does nothing. Well, um. <laughs> yeah. Except for Look Good. But it's Lucky. It looks good. <laughs> it's a catcher's chest card. It's it's pretty. It's like rainbow colored and I like it. Okay. So what's his name? Since you wears it. Shiro. Since you like Shiro. Yeah. Shiro wears it. Do you want to go ahead and read it since you, since you like it? Sure. No one has ever died wearing me. Hashtag. It's true. She leaves the unworthy before they fall. And I love this. And I know we're going to get into it. It is totally a Lord of the Rings reference right there. Absolutely. Can I always wait what? I always read it as oh. Lady Luck. No, so, so, okay. So yeah, but you can always read that as a Lucky, Lord of the Rings too. You can Lucky read Raspberry is the is the one ring of power. 
Yeah. Uh, totally. Uh, in 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 catcher's chest guard form. I see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, yeah, I it find totally, it, it incredibly and it amazing that Shiro's on Twitter. And why is he not following me? I have what? all the best people following me. I gotta, me. I gotta go. find this right Here now. Go. Where's Shiro? Shiro's got to be on Twitter because he's dropping hashtags. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. My gosh. So, no. Uh, th- th- oh, where do I even begin? Um, that is actually in computer text. The two symbols that are there is the kind of the arrow and then the hashtag. Mm-hmm. That's actually greater used than. To- greater than. And then a uh, sure, um, that's number t- symbol number that God. <laughs> or a I'm sharp. Done. I'm done with you. Um, is actually used to designate speakers. Uh, so this is actually in Raspberry Pi. This is a way of transcribing a discussion between two people. Um, mm-hmm. That's actually that's that's what that is. And the the interesting there the interesting connection there is that it's Raspberry Pi, which is a small small computer processor um and this is the lucky raspberry which is kind of it also indicates the lucky raspberry has a base ai in it because Mm. it seems to have a mind of its own if it can if you're saying that this this item can leave before they fall it could be yeah um and did you did you already talk about the very unimpressive exotic perk Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no. Also, that this this no, is the it. first female that the first female armor piece. Wait, when did we start assigning masculinity and femininity? Well, it says read the, read the yeah, flavor she text. leaves the unworthy before they fall. Okay, but okay, if you're gonna read it as Lady Luck, like you started to, well, that's that's why I've read it as Lady Luck is because it's yeah. it's des- like to me that designates the armor as a f- a feminine. Entity, mm-hmm. and you know it's yeah. called the lucky raspberry yeah i know it was just one of the things we brought up in chat as somebody was I just talking about it, it was the one ring i call it braille chest but that's what i call it <laughs> it says <laughs> oh my god so anyways the exotic perk is a very imaginative name it's called the improved arc bulk grenade hang on give me give me a second which no one's using. I, by I mean, the way. Well, it's just to me, it's like the only class item that, or the only exotic item that has like the absolute most bland exotic perk. Everything else has like kind of like mm-hmm. a little twisty, you know, twist of the name, or you know, kind of a nod to the like the young the young Hamkara's spine field trip. Like you know, you, you have these kind of thing. This one is literally, yeah, it improves your grenades. Have fun. Uh, mm-hmm. So basically what this one does is you spawn with a grenade energy and your arc bolt, your arc bolt grenade chains further. That's it. Mm-hmm. If your grenade can't attach to people, it's the wrong grenade. <laughs> so there's no reason to wear this arm. <laughs> is that a fair is that that's, that's so you don't you don't use statement. trip mine anymore either do you do you no that makes me so no sad. trip mine i i for one will never get tired of setting booty twaps <laughs> i, I will set booty twaps till the cows come home i don't care but yes 
Yeah, yeah. Whichever grenade you're using, it needs to be the one that will attach to people. Mm-hmm. Or walls. Um, yeah, Lucky Raspberry, it's, it's weird because that's that's a really – that's a interesting point that green makes. If we're, if we're looking at the, she and the second part of that flavor text as lady luck, or are we looking at that as a personification of gender in the armor piece itself? Is it a smart piece of armor? Well, see, I read it. As um, it, it definitely could be, it could be a, it could be a, uh, a uh, superstitious hunter's kind of, you know, like his account of how that armor piece has, you know, gone through, you know, owners. It could be a number of things. It, it really could. It is. It's spoken from the. Uh, it's spoken as the armor itself. As the armor, I think. Yeah, yeah, right. you're, you're to- correct. Totally does. But it's mm-hmm. almost like two different people speaking there. It's like the armor speaks. Right. No one has ever what... died wearing me. And then someone got in the armor's mentions on Twitter and said, <laughs> oh, that's true. Hashtag she leaves the unworthy before they fall. Well, that's what Blue was saying. That's what the Raspberry Pi mm-hmm. lingo is. The yeah, no. Greater than and hashtag. Those are two different I was listening. designations. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I'll back off. I'll back off. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, yeah. So Lucky Raspberry, we've talked about that longer than it deserved. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Don't touch me. So, oh, I, I promise. I love these, um, these gauntlets were so, so much fun. Yeah. The number one, the number one fraggle crutch. <laughs> Don't touch me. <laughs> Amputated from a creature that stumbled out of a vex gate. A vestigial defense reflex still remains, which I've said since the beginning uh, that there's some sort of vex creature that goes invisible when you melee it. And everyone's like, no, it's not necessarily a vex. It could be just a creature that made it through a vex gate. I'm like, no, there's a vex enemy that when you melee, it goes invisible, which is terrifying, by the way. It doesn't say it's a vex creature. It just says a creature. (laughs) A it creature. does not. It does not. But you've got to pre- be a pretty savvy individual to make your way through the, you know, the vex. Or you're we really know confused. A few. Yeah, that too. We know a few that don't. Also, also, and I do want to kind of uh, bring this up because it ties in with a later, you know, a later uh, piece of armor. There's a very similar structure to another hunter arm. In terms of Mr. Spiky on the right arm, mm-hmm. do we want to do we want to talk about that? I know you want to talk about it. Oh, do we want to talk about Shelly? Do it <laughs> every time. Every time we bring these gauntlets up, you bring this up. Okay, go so, for it. Go for it. <laughs> I'm just gonna go ham and take take <laughs> both of the first two. Um, so the next Hunter Exotic gauntlet in the. Uh, in the Pantheon is Kepri's sting. Um, Wow. The flavor text reads, the wound is not too deep, but you know, it exists and that is enough. And before I go anywhere else, um, I want to bring up the fact that Kepri sting has a shoulder spike that is 
identical to the don't touch me's. Okay. That's the right shoulder. Okay. Um, if you're staring at the guardian, if you go to the bungee armory and look at the armor, it will be your left-hand side, but it will be, you know, it will be his right, your left. Um, and it is sort of an antler looking protrusion, um, that comes out of there. It's very beetle-like. And very beetle-like. And also, before we before we get fully into Kepri's sting, I do want to say that um, the other arm bears a a sort of overlapped uh, plating that undeniably is what Aldrin. I was um, wondering if that was what you were going. Wears. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not going to forget anything. <laughs> I, I, I promise not to forget anything. Um, but moving back, moving back to Kepri Sting. Um, Kepri Sting doesn't just have a shoulder spike. No. Oh, no, no, no. It also, it also features a live beetle. <laughs> Whose name <named> is Shelly. <laughs> and, and <laughs> if you want to hang around till later, I will give you the full rundown on Shelly. <laughs> but, um, I do want to talk about the fact that there is actually an Egyptian god named Kepri. Um, and I'm working completely from memory here because this is old spinfoil. But Kepri is actually the morning uh, iteration of the sun god Ra, yeah. I believe, if I'm not. God of rebirth. Come on. I, am I wrong? Am I wrong, Blue? No, it's, right? the, it's the Egyptian god of rebirth, uh, mm-hmm. this, the scarab beetle. But yeah, morning, it's connected with the rising mm-hmm. sun. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's a Kepri. Um, picture, picture an Egyptian. The image I'm getting is an Egyptian with a beetle face. <laughs> so that's fun. Yep. Gotta love Wikipedia. That's, that's fun for everybody. So if you're <laughs> wondering funny. exactly, exactly what Kepri Sting is, Kepri Sting is, he deals how, how much more damage? Four. When when he hits you from Four behind, times. Four times. Four times damage on a backstab. Um, so he actually gets to he when he when he hits you from behind, it does four times damage. Um and, which is the touch of venom perk. And it gives you damage over time as well. And also allows you to be an invisible gunslinger. Yes. Um, yes. That's just unfair. <laughs> um, yeah, but, yeah. But I'll going, tell you people going back, all about Shelly a little bit later. Okay, going back to Don't Touch Me. The exotic perk is called Defensive Reflex. And basically, real quick, all it does is if you take damage from a melee attack, you go invisible. Which makes which made Curtis in so much easier as a hunter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, vestial reflex that is mentioned in the flavor text is basically, it's an automatic response that occurs before one becomes even consciously aware of the sensory jolt, which causes it. Uh, this is usually seen at, you know, like the sound, like if you ever see a dog ears perk up, that's, that's a reflex an involuntary spasm during, if you ever get attacked, uh, for anyone who out there who does martial arts, uh, this is like basically the penultimate 
training uh, that you go for is that you you react you react to an attack before you even process that you are being attacked. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's what that is. Uh, Kefri Sting. Yeah, we talked about the exotic perk, which is Touch of Venom. <clears throat> um, Kefri is the Egyptian god of rebirth. Uh, the beetle, or as Justin calls Shelly, uh, is a Shelley. scarab beetle. Uh, this is usually thought to symbolize moving the sun across the sky, uh, mostly because they roll dung across with the back legs. Um, and inside the dung, you know, anybody who knows, well, most people know this about scarab beetles, but they lay their eggs inside the dung. Um, the, apparently a lot of people confuse the scarab beetle with the horned rhino beetle. Uh, these are not the same beetles. Uh, the scarab beetles has pinchers. The rhinos have, well, a rhino horn. Um, they're, I'm not sure why people confuse them, but apparently it's a common confusion. Um, the scarab beetle also has, uh, two, yeah. So like it's got the two side, uh, two forward facing pincher like protrusions on its head. But unlike any other beetle, its rear legs have ambiguous dexterity, uh, which is what it, which is how they can uh, sculpt and dig the dung that it uses to house their eggs. Um, and then, you know, also the scarab beetle is uh, prevalent throughout Egyptian mythology and the hieroglyphics and all that. So, yes. Mm-hmm. Do you want to move to ready? you remove to cookie tossers? I mm. love No, these those next are called ones. double space biscuit arms. Double space biscuit. That's what, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah, that's what it's called. Cookie tossers. I don't know. I don't know. I don't smart. remember. I don't remember Justin's nicknames. There's so many of them. Everything has a Justin nickname. I know, I know. It's like I need a whole book for just that. Yeah. Chat knows it. Good lord. <laughs> All right, so Chat does not know it. You know, you you would be surprised. Um, oh. So these are the sealed Ahamkara grafts. The exotic perk here is a very very I love this name nightmare fuel, um, and this one is you get an additional melee charge, and your melee damage has the possibility to reload your primary weapon. So this is why it's double space biscuits, because anyone who's ever been hit by a smoke grenade from a Night Stalker knows that that is not a grenade. It's a space biscuit. Am I right, Justin? That is a space biscuit. (laughs) 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 Okay, so uh, flavor text for this one. Plating the Ahamkara bones in silver helps to quiet the auditory hallucinations. Oh, bear mine. Um, so there, no voice. Oh, bear. Um, there's there's a there's a number of really cool little trivia connections here. Uh, the the biggest thing, obviously, is that these are very similar to the other Ahamkara items that we have, which is the young Ahamkara spine. We'll get to those in a minute. However, unlike those, you can tell just by looking at them that these things have a metallic coloring to them. And in the flavor text, we learn that it has actually been dipped in silver. Why silver? Uh, There is a huge reason for silver. Silver has always, 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 always been assumed to be be a what's usually referred to as a pure metal. 
um, in pretty much every mythology ever that I am aware of, silver is up there with gold and even lead as far as purification processes. Actually, in some, it's even above those. Uh, in many mythology, silver is even more powerful than gold. Uh, and so what this is often, what this often translates to is that um, in mythology, it's used to shield things from evil spirits and then you also have the common coating a weapon in a silver will do uh, damage to these supernatural creatures uh, in mythology unclean creatures such as vampires and lycanthropes were not able to even be perceived within or they're even directly harmed by silver which is actually where the entire um, myth or the entire uh, myth of you not being able to see a vampire in a mirror that's actually because in those times, mirrors, the, the way that you made a mirror was you would take a piece of silver or a piece of metal and you would flatten it out so that it was perfectly flat. And then you would actually lay a, a layer of glass over the, that metal. Uh, this would require, this would allow a uh, reflection to be cast and also allow you to easily clean that without having to have to polish the metal. You would just have to wipe off excuse me, wipe off the glass. Um, the high-end mirrors and most common metal to be used for mirrors was silver because it was so malleable and so easily formed or easily to be able to be formed into whatever shape mirror you want. That being said, silver cannot, as a pure metal, was not able to, quote, show unclean creatures. Thus, a vampire was not able to be seen in the reflection of a silver item. Um, uh, the uh, common example in popular mythology would be in the uh, uh, what's the what's the TV show? Uh, it's based off a book, The Strain. Um, in The Strain, the vampiric creatures that are presented there, um, when they are perceived through the guy or through a, a a filtering of silver, they actually shiver. They they it looks like they're spasming. Um, that is that is a nod to this mythology. Um, so that's, that's the mythological layering of silver, uh, in alchemy. Also, silver is highly, highly attributed to being connected to the moon. Uh, it's used in most supernatural wards or summoning circles and stuff like that. Anything in mythology, if you are really curious about it and silver plays a huge component in all of it. Now, switching to a more scientific and more empirically proven, aspect silver nitrate is actually used to chemically cauterize open wounds and actually prevent the regrowth of abnormality um and silver in the in before modern medicine really took off silver was actually used very heavily for surgery for dealing with anyone who is sick simply because silver is naturally antibacterial uh it it actually kind of it, it's very difficult for bacteria to stick to silver, which is why a lot of the um, drinking chalices of the very wealthy, um, why a lot of the implements of successful doctors were made from silver is because they would, they would be able to be cleansed and stay clean at an easier rate. The other thing is that silver poisoning can actually give the skin tone a bluish hue. So if you actually got silver poisoning, which was really bad you would actually start taking on a bluish hue um 
which you know that that aspect if you look at the the uh, silver or the sealed ahamkara grass they do have um they do have a kind of bluish hue there's a couple people who are making the point that taken are silverish and they're blue um so yeah in in silver i mean i could go on and on and on and on uh silver is a very 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 prevalent uh resource i guess within the mythology within literature within actual science um it's very very documented as far as the indications for that Uh, and justin i know you probably have something no i uh i love the uh the kind of superstitious and you know the the implications of it being silver that that quiets these auditory mm-hmm. hallucinations, but also that these are ahamkara burn uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, ahamkara bones, and we're using silver um, to quiet the auditory hallucinations. So, um, this kind of furthers my belief that the the ahamkara speak to you auditorily there's no like visions or hallucinations visual audio visual hallucinations that mm-hmm. take place it's it's merely a voice and uh i you know you can talk about the the purity of silver and kind of the you know more of the superstitious um aspects of how it wards off evil i think it might be more of a reverberation tactic um when when trying to speak to someone bouncing your bouncing your audio input off of uh off of a metal surface and kind of getting caught in that reverberation would kind of muddy up what you're trying to say Mm -hmm. i think it's a much more literal thing um, well, like the voice is trying to come from from inside the bones and speak to the to the bear, and in ca- I I don't know I've always read this card or not card but this description as being a much more literal thing. But it it totally I mean it could be I I think more from like a a musician standpoint the brighter type of metal that you use in an instrument. Mm-hmm the brighter and cleaner the sound tends to be. It doesn't seem to be mm-hmm. as muffled or as muted as a uh, old brass instrument, for example, say like mm-hmm. a trumpet or something. You can have silver trumpets and those things are bright and they cut through like crazy. It's they the, they yeah. will cut through a crowd like nobody's business as far as auditory goes. As far, I, I mean, I'm kind of leaning more towards what blue says on that, but definitely the... Well, that makes sense too, because I have I have a silver trumpet, and compared to brass trumpets that I've played, that's that is actually I never even thought about that, but that is a really good point. Mm -hmm. But but have you ever tried to talk inside a inside a water tank, for example? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so, there's going to be echo and reverberation that's going to get the sound muddled, but um, uh, it will still well, vibrate it, through. It, uh, 
water tank. Those things are gonna those things suck up sound. Yeah, it it's it's a pretty good it's a pretty good buffer. Yeah, um, you can't. I mean, you can't hear because thing outside of it. Inside, you hear everything, and you hear it like three or four times. Outside, what you hear is a faint muffle. Um, okay. Like it is you you hear like kind of a faintly muffled vibration. You don't make out speech, and that's what I'm thinking is when you're encasing the thing that's creating speech inside any metal, not just silver. I'm not, you know, it might've been silver just for, for uh, superstitious purposes, but um, inside anything that, that reverberates sound at high frequencies, um, there's this compounding effect where it, it can distort the, like the original audio signal to a point to where it's unrecognizable. I've I've experienced it. I've experienced it in larger uh, metal tanks and silos and stuff to where um, from the outside, you couldn't tell anything was being said at all. And from the inside, it sounded like a hundred people were saying something. Is that more attributed to the shape of the metal on the inside or it is, it is. If it's kind of a conical thing, um, I'm no, I'm no sound engineer, but um, sound likes to bounce. So it Mm -hmm. likes to, it'll bounce off of every, every single surface available to it until the vibration slowly exponentially as each time it bounces off a surface, it will, it will lessen each, each time it gets less intense as it bounces off a surface. Um, that's why when you try to soundproof a room, you'll, you'll try to get rid of hard surfaces um, to dampen that sound that's why people put those weird looking panels right. on their walls right. and put rugs down on the floors because all you're doing is it. you're making a less hard surface for the sound to bounce off of. Because when sound bounces off a hard surface, it's it's a very sharp reflection as mm-hmm. opposed to when it's off of a, a more, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not Thank a sound en- engineer. I don't know. I know. This is probably the deepest anyone has ever looked into this armor piece. So congratulations. <laughs> well, and I mean, when, when we talk about, uh, the Ahamkaras, you know, I definitely think I lean more towards like <clears throat> the supernatural aspects of it. You know, you're talking about wish dragons, you're talking about creatures that, you know, and all this stuff. And then when you start talking about dipping things in silver in order to prevent hallucinations, that's uh that's where the kind of the alchemy kind of comes in because um you know alchemy has always been about mixing and creating and protecting and stuff in different different aspects through the elements and there's very specific reasons why um there's very specific reasons why each element has a specific uh relationship with other elements and you know silver has always been kind of a higher higher element within the alchemy understanding or the i guess the alchemy archetypes uh i think if i'm remember i'm trying to remember this off the top of my head so please forgive me if i'm incorrect on this but in a lot of alchemy 
alchemical text, silver is what's called, uh, what is often called an archetype concept. And I think there were seven of them. Uh, and I, I can't remember all of them, but, um, it's like the silver has always been one of those, one of those high, high, high elements in power. Um, and so, and that's not just alchemy. I mean, and that's not just Western alchemy. That's also, you know, the Eastern alchemy and, you know, all the other different variations of alchemy out there. Um, mm-hmm. and since ancient times in, mean, in silver has also always been closely associated with the moon and, you know, the lunar influences and stuff like that. Um, Silver, you know, then there's the the medical aspect of it. Uh, you know, the antibacterial qualities of silver are very well documented. Uh, even even throughout today's in modern medicine, silver and silver alloys, I guess you would you would call them such, uh, are very right. very we still prevalent. Use, we still use sterling silver as mm-hmm. far as earrings go and everything. Mm-hmm. It's it's still much more prevalent. Uh, as far as sil- I think it's silver. Was it silver nitrate that I was saying was used for wounds and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, and, and so yeah, I mean, then that's, and obviously most of my understanding of alchemy comes from like the research that I've done in like Greek mythos and stuff like that. But I know, um, the, the Islamic alchemy also has a very high place for silver, um, I'm not. I'm not as familiar with that particular school of thought, um, but I, I'm, I'm familiar with like the basic. What's again? What's called archetype concepts, um, and silver is definitely one of those across the systems or across the the schools of Beliefs. thought. I guess. I guess you yeah. would call it. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, theories. I guess. Um, and that's, I mean, that's going from Plato to Aristotle to, you know, Herodotus and, and all these different ancient Greek thought or thinkers. Um, ever since they started coming up with this, silver was one of those things. So that's that in, in response to Justin's idea of like, you know, why silver and, you know, talking about the reverberations and stuff. I think that definitely has an aspect of it. But I, for explanation of why or where I was coming from for silver, that's kind of where I was coming from. Whenever you start talking well, about dipping things in silver, it kind I of was, brings to mind that. You you and I actually coming from the same place. We just have different spins on it. Right. right. Um, I'm saying they used silver because they were superstitious and they believed the things that you actually are talking about. Um, but that it's effective for another reason. Does that oh, make okay. sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. I can see that. Yeah. So, okay. And and also just the name too, sealed, which you know indicates that it is completely sealed. So it would be a, mm-hmm. a you know not not necessarily a concave formation, but it is a completely closed circuit. I guess you would call it. I it's it's not something that could easily be escaped from. But yeah. Okay. Shinobus. Yep, let's talk about <gasps> Shinobu's vow. Green, you want to take that one? Sure. No supplies, armor and tatters, but the refugees had asked for help and she had given them she had given her word from Tales of the Six Coyotes. 
can I say this is the one that I am most curious about as far as like if they ever expand the lore on this. I mm-hmm. would love to know more about you're, it. You're not alone on that. Just go over to Destiny Lore subreddit. It's like oh, the gosh. it's easily one of the top ten pe- people want to uh-huh. know more about the six coyotes. Uh huh. I mean, as far as exotic perks go, it's it's all right. It it's called New Tricks and it improves the skip grenade and also adds an additional grenade charge which is nice double skip grenades lots of fun as far as just annoying the out of people but beyond that coyotes the thing that drives me crazy about this one is there's so much more native american reference with the coyotes thrown in there then you throw in the japanese reference with the shinobu and it's like okay where where are we going with this mm-hmm. So coyotes are a name for people who help guide others across the borders through threatening domains and treacherous terrain. Um, They're modern day coyotes still. Mm -hmm. And then in Shinobu, that's a Japanese and it means to endure stealth and recall. And I'd like to say that it's probably one of my favorite looking gauntlets. Yeah, they are. They are clean. And if you uh, look really, really closely at them, they are actually, uh, a, they're not, they're, it's not a Taconaut. No, it is. It is, I think. Um, I think it is the Taconauts. Uh, Taikonauts is a Chinese astronaut. And I think, or no, is that the, that's the Russian symbol yeah. on the shoulder, isn't it? Yeah, it's the... Uh... But anyways, that's that's actually a scavenged piece of a astronaut's um, outfit. That's a that's the the image. If you pull it up on Ishtar, that is mm-hmm. actually the uh, what would be an astronaut's suit. So they they literally scavenged that from a from an astronaut. I like it. So that that's it's not it's not a Taikonaut. It's nah. What is it? Yeah, whatever, whatever the Russian equivalent of an astronaut is, because cosmonaut. I, that one, thank you. <sighs> I have way too many things bouncing <laughs> around my head. Moving um, on, <laughs> but yeah, my favorite and, one's next. Well, and the other thing yes. about the other the other thing about Shinobu is that this uh, the one thing that we do know about the coyotes is that they were not guardians. Right. No. This is before no, the city. And so it was really I mean, established. That's that's the thing. But too. at this, at the same time, they were special. They, no, they were they were guardians in the sense of oh, the word, yeah, yeah, not yeah. in the oh. sense. But they weren't. Of the, but they weren't risen. I was like, I don't know where I just, you're going with. I that. just enjoy. I enjoy screwing with blue. <laughs> enjoy the, the long pauses. <laughs> yes. like, I'm like, right. where are you going with this, Justin? Where are you going with this? It's always, a, it always. I just get I I get a little snippy because everyone forgets <laughs> that guardian is also a word in the English language no, and not, not just no, a not. title. <laughs> it is. It is. Oh, yeah. So yeah, there. It to me that that's what makes the the concept of the six coyotes so interesting. Actually, is that these these were mm-hmm. um, for all intents and purposes these were regular regular humans or regular people. Um, because there there could be regular exos and awoken there too, but um, they were just people who picked up arms and decided to help. You know, their you know in in the case right here, the six coyotes, the refugees had asked for help, and she gave her word. Um, 
And so if the, these are not guardians, these are not people who are super powerful, they, but they're still refusing to just abandon people to, uh, they're, they're refusing to abandon people to the wilds and to the, the darkness, but not, not the darkness, darkness, but like the darkness of the collapse, um, the dark age, you know, this is what's happening. And you have instances of people stepping up and being like, no, this is not going to be acceptable. We're going to protect you. Um, I think that, I think that's really, I think that points to the fact that it's not just guardians who are stepping up to the challenge. It's also the normal, the normal citizens as well. For sure. But let's, let's talk about the field trip. Mm-hmm. Justin, do it. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about young Ahamkara's spine. Can we do that? Can we do that real quick? So give me your arm, O bear of mine. Let me help you fill the world with teeth. And for some reason, when I read this, I always see Gary Busey in my mind. But... <laughs> In my mind's eye, but, but, <laughs> so the thing that bothers me about this armor piece is this is the young Ahamkara spine, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're wearing it on your arm. Mm-hmm. How'd you get that there? Well, see, the thing is that when things die, Sometimes their bodies. I know. Where'd you put your arm though? And (laughs) like, this is literally the definition of working something like a puppet, right? You just, what's the entry point? I guess is my question. (laughs) The entry point. Oh, do I have to explain this concept to you? I also read a Reddit post where it, it, it completely went through how, how much hunters like wearing animals as armor or and people, how obsessed I mean, we are in about, animals think and people. Think about Gellion. <laughs> oh God. All the knives. Well, actually that post was before Gellion's story of, of, you know, as far of, as of bone armor was, was known. So yeah. As far correct. as your spine, like how, how do you wear the spine? The actual spine itself has a hole through the center. That's where the nerve bundles go through. So we are literally shoving our entire arm through that hole. Right in the nerve bundles. Right in the nerve bundles. But are we? Because that's a really small, I mean, like. It depends on how large the animal is. You know how big an an Ahamkar's nerve bundles are blue? Okay. Look at the picture on (laughs) Ishtar Collective, right? You can see see where technically the joining of the vertebra are on Mm -hmm. the wrist. Like Mm -hmm. what I'm seeing there is that those those protrusions around the the forearm, I would assume those would be rib cages. Vertebrae. No, the vertebrae are on the back of the forearm. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the vertebra- for, so, right. But then your rib, the rib cage, the rib cage is going to go around the arm. So you're not actually sticking your arm through the nerve bundle. No, you're, it's just you're laying it. Tied you're, on. Yeah, they're tied on. So it's you're. I mean, there is no way that your arm is thin enough to go through that, right? I mean, think think about that. Your nerve. I mean, you say nerve bundle, and 
you know, mm-hmm. green. I know you, I know you know this, but you save nerve bundle and people assume that that means, you know, a, sl- a, a large, a large thing. Cause it's a bundle of right. many things. It's not that big. Like that's why spinal injuries are so bad because it doesn't take much. Um, so like, yeah, but, and then also if you look at it, this is a hodgepodge piece of armor. Um, mm-hmm. they've definitely taken the head and moved it because there's no way that the head would have fit on the spine in that formation because I would put the spikes on the bottom and that wouldn't make any sense. Um, and yeah. So, and then the other thing in chat, your <laughs> chat's talking about this with right now, but it is a young Ahamkara. Um, and if you think about that for a moment, that skull is a pretty good sized skull. It's a, it's smaller than a cow skull, but not by much. Yeah. It's a, I think I would, I would say it's about the same size. And that jaw is unhinged mm-hmm. and unattached. It's just being held on by leather straps. Yeah. But, and there's, I know, um, I know that there was a bit of a chat about Gellion being the creator of some of these more bone. More than likely. Bone I think more than likely. <laughs> or at least, or at least the, the initial theorist that led to the creation of these armor pieces. So. Well, the thing that you have to bring up and we went through the silver plated one. This one is not plated. This one's right. not covered at all. This was this was the initial. So this one was actually released before the sealed. So the Ahamkaras so, was in vanilla and the sealed Ahamkara was in Taken King. So in the flavor text for the other one, there was some semblance of control. It's the silver plating quiets the auditory hallucinations. And at the end, there's this lingering little oh bear of mine. Mm-hmm. This one's like an overt. This one's like an overt. Yeah, you're mine now because it says, give me your arm. Oh, bear of mine. Let me help you fill the world with teeth. Like, yeah, your arm's mine now. I'm just going to be running around slapping people. Like, stop hitting yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you have no choice. Yeah. Um, the other, the other I, thing. Oh, go for it, Green. Yeah, I, I always kind of read it as a during the sealed Ahamkara, Ahamkara grasp that it's just one of those things. It's just the suggestion of plating it in silver helps quiet the auditory hallucinations. And just that whisper of, oh, I'm still here. Oh, barrow mine. Whereas definitely for sure it's overt in the young Ahamkara spine where it's just like, yeah, I'm just going to talk to you directly. Give me your arm. Oh, bear of mine. Let me help you feel. I mean, it's just talking to you. And the other one is just, you think you've got me beat, but I'm still here. Right. The other, the other thing is if you look at the sealed grasp and then you look at the young spine, there is the major difference of their, the spines are, are less prominent. Uh, you actually have a knuckle guard, and a thumb guard on the sealed Ahamkaras, and there is no skull. Mm-mm. And Which, silver claws. Right, that's the the back of the hand, the knuckle guards. So you actually, you actually you actually you actually have you have a you have a distinguished gauntlet 
on the sealed, whereas on the young Ahamkara, you kind of you don't have necessarily a gauntlet. You have a a wrist, a wrist sheath and a, a, a pauldron. But on the sealed Ahamkara, you definitely have a pauldron that's not as pronounced, and then you have the the kind of the 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 arm guard. But then you definitely have a gauntlet and even a finger guard on your thumb, uh, which was a, which is an interesting distinction between the two. Um, I don't know if these are meant to be an evolution of the same set of armor, but uh, that's how I've kind of seen it. Is that these are these are kind of continuation because you know it's like you have these young ahamkara spine and it's like give me your arm and the response is go dip that in silver <laughs> because it's getting a little yeah. loud so but yeah and so that's that's where so yes the young ahamkara spine was released in the vanilla game sealed ahamkara was released in the taken king and then talking about Ahamkara, we actually do have one other piece of armor. And that, that's next. Yep. That we want. Do you want to go to that? I think it'd be a good idea. All right. So we're going to talk about, we're going to move into leg armor um, or leg pieces, I guess you could call them. And the first one up is the bones of EO. Oh, oh, the bones of oh. Um, this this yeah. flavor text is quite simple. It says "defy extinction," which is kind of funny because you're wearing the bones of something which uh. did not defy extinction, or did it? Um, which is always the question with Ahamkaras: Are they actually dead? Uh, the exotic perk here is not bound by law. And what this basically does is it gives you an additional jump. So you can stack to your double jump, which allows for triple jump, which in my opinion makes them completely worthless. But, or stack to your triple jump, which makes you a quadruple jump. Right. Okay. Here, here's, oh my gosh. All right. Are we going to get into this? Here's sure. the thing. It doesn't actually add height. It just gives you another boost. Oh, it doesn't. No, no, it's not about height. It gives you directional I, control. It's course correction, my man. Course correction. I've never needed them. That's the thing is, like, I've ne- I used them once, and I was like, oh, that's really stupid. I'm going to go back to my... At the time, I was wearing... Uh, the fault man. of glass jumping puzzle with Bones of Eow, you can literally not pay attention to any of the appearing platforms. You can literally run out there, jump as far as you can with the first one, and then just course correct. And yeah. why do you and course use correct? The, you just jumped straight across into the wall. Well, what I'm saying is without it, you need to at least land on one platform. Oh, yeah. You land on the first one and then just jump straight to the wall. With Bones of Eow, you that, 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 that's done. You don't even have to worry about that. All you have to do is jump far enough out there with the first one and then just kind of use the other three to get you down safely. Yeah, but uh, whatever. Yeah. To, uh, difference difference of opinion on this one, because I think these are absolutely worthless. They look cool, though. Yeah, the difference is mine is the right opinion. Oh, my God. You're, Here you're we go. Wrong. So this was added in House of Wolves. <laughs> I, think, I think there's a lot of people who have very strong feelings about this. this oh, yeah. No, I know. For sure. Uh, yeah, the... 
it was definitely added later. I enjoy them. I like using them. Um, if we talk about the evolution of the Ahamkara sets, I would say that if any of the set actually evolved, I would say that these are an evolution from the young Ahamkara spine because of the spines that are on the right leg. And it kind of looks like it's not that. a head. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the jaw piece almost. Yeah, I can see the, that. I can, I can from, totally see that. Yeah. And also the release schedule would follow that too. Mm-hmm. Because these were House of Wolves. So Young Amkara were vanilla. This was House of Wolves. And then Sealed was Taken King. Definitely. So I, I totally... You're just whittling down. Mm-hmm. How do we get these things to talk to us less? Oh, dip them in silver. Stop wearing them. <laughs> <laughs> because even when you dip them in silver... They still there's whisper. a residual effect. <laughs> yeah, there's a residual effect. So oh. enjoy that. So yeah, uh, Bones of Yao, um if if that is an evolution of the Ahamkara pieces, we might have the name of that Ahamkara. Uh, unless Yao is something completely different. <laughs> Unless Yao was a crazy person who claimed his bones as his own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or that. We could have a hunter named Yao. Mm-hmm. Do we want to talk about the next? The Frosties? The next. Frosties. So, the FR0STEE5 Frosties. Hunter boots. Hey, if it works for computers, Marcus Wren, uh, <laughs> these boots have the distinction of making you run faster and turn corners quicker, as if hunters needed to be a little bit more mobile. Um, eh, kind of an underwhelming exotic for me. If you're a shotgunner and you like to kind of you know run around like a crazy person this is the i think this might be the exotic for you yeah and they'll go for green uh the look of them if you pull them up and i found a really good one where the pants are actually black and red so you can actually see the tubing it actually has neurological plugins in various points along the legs. So it's literally plugging into your legs to help you neurologically run faster. It's not actually like creating extra speed for you. It's just allowing your muscles to fire more efficiently and be more efficient when you're running, which I find absolutely cool as all get out. And it's good. Never mind. I'm not even going to make that pun. Um, uh-huh. It's Frosty's. <laughs> Frosty! <laughs> uh, yeah, so the exotic perk is rapid cooldown and tighter turn radius and grenade and melee regenerate faster while sprinting. Uh, the point that I remember someone bringing up in chat is you mix this with the Yolder. Oh, Yolder? Oh. Because it's got infinite sprint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a whole bunch of nope right there. <laughs> Yolder and then <laughs> Mida. Like that. Mida yeah, Yolder, on top Yolder of that. and Mida uh, is a dangerous combination here. Um, 
a couple couple little trivia notes here uh like like green was saying the cooling lines uh if you know anything about modifi- modifying uh computers or anything of that nature you are familiar with the concept of what's called hydrocooling uh, this is very similar to that. Uh, actually, it's exactly what hydrocooling does. Uh, it runs pretty much nearly ice cold water throughout the system, and it actually steals the heat much, much easier and much more efficiently than a fan, which just blows the air, blows the hot air out of the case. Um, the other thing here is that the number, the well, the actual name is what's called leet. Uh, or elite. It's one of the most, in my opinion, annoying concepts out there is where you literally take numeric digits and replace alpha digits with it. Um, so you have FR zero S T E E five, but you pronounce it frosties. Um, basically the reason why it annoys me is because as my, as my actual day job, I kind of have to worry about security uh, and leet speak is actually a easy way to bypass monitoring threats and um, logarithmic sensors uh, that we use in a security set- situation to actually protect our users. Uh, leet speak is actually used to get around those. So we have to constantly, constantly be monitoring against it. Um, and it's just you get you get some really interesting combinations. Um yeah, and that's that's pretty much the trivia that I have on the Frosties. I don't use them, so I don't, I don't know. I don't have anything else. You guys want to move to the, the best boots ever? Meh. <laughs> you want to you wanna talk about a rabid squirrel on cocaine? Go put Radiant Dance Machines on and put, uh, put Mida and then aim down mm-hmm. sights. And then, oh uh, my gosh, it is, I, it, that's a trip. Like It I, is fun. Oh. It is fun. Because the thing about, okay, so Radiant Dance Machines, um, flavor text real quick, is built for swift movement. They provide unexpected and decisive social benefits. Um, these are probably the most ugly things I've ever seen. But um the fun part is, is that the exotic perk is the dance, which basically says that during ADS, the wearer moves faster. This was added in the dark below. And uh, most of, if you were around in the dark below, you would remember the, the really kind of gooby trailer that they did with, oh, who was, does anyone remember who it was that did the trailer for the, the radiant dance machines and the, necrochasm uh uh-uh. i can't i can't remember but anyways there was like this this trailer kind of similar similar to all their other teaser trailers that was teasing all the the equipment that was coming out uh it's absolutely hilarious you should go if you haven't seen it you should go watch it but anyways so the first thing that anyone that or all the people that i know did was we as soon as we got this we went and we threw our mita on and went into crucible and here's the trick. It only works when you're ADS, which means that you're already zoomed in. So it already feels like you're moving faster, even though you're not. And you have Mida, which is already increasing your agility. 
then you throw this on top of it and it like you actually could get vertigo from doing this if you did it wrong so yeah it was it was an interesting experience on this one quite honestly yeah no that's my question how how do you hit anything i i don't i don't know because like it for me it was like it's like up there with the arachnid on useless armor like i i never actually use this seriously so wow that was a heck of an endorsement blue yeah the only Um, map i've ever used it on is six fronts ever just because you could do that cross oh bannerfall sniping no, six. Uh, it's the six fronts map. I, I think it's six fronts. It's one of the original vanilla maps. The one where you're on the base and B's off to the side, but A and C are kind of oh Twilight the Gap. Base. Twilight Gap. There you go. That one. I'm like, yeah, not there's a fronts. map of six fronts. I know. I'm just. Uh, it's almost green, one a.m. Green is green is trying to give me a heart attack. I want there to be. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> Oh, that would be man. an awesome thing to go running through. So yeah, I think that's that's actually all the armor pieces. That took longer than nice. I thought it was going to. Uh that took longer than the Titans episode. So yeah. Well, three uh, hunters. We, we we're gonna talk a while. Yeah, I I literally had an an opinion about every single freaking piece. I'm expecting um, you to keep this up uh, for the Warlock episode. Not really. Not really. <laughs> no. Uh, real quick, we did do a poll in chat on what the favorite uh, favorite hunter exotic was. Justin, Double you want space biscuit arms? <laughs> <laughs> Justin was very pleased that everyone agreed with him. Um so the sealed Ahamkara grass were uh were the the winner of that. Um and then obviously we have all the trivia notes from Rhino on our mind map, so please be sure to check that out. Do you want to do we did get one email. Do you want to do that one real quick? Let's do it. All right. Let's jump into dispatches real fast. <laughs> Dispatches from the wilds. All right. So this one is actually from Julian. Uh, and he says, I come to you today with spin foil on the exotic hunter armor. So basically, Justin, get ready. Um, <laughs> he said that he's going to do spin foil for warlock armor, but none for Titans since as they seem to punch the excitement out of anything. I, I'm I, I, these are not my words. Uh, first, I believe the skip hop and jump gauntlets for Blade Dancer is proof that regular citizens of the city can use Guardian-like abilities with extra help from Guardian-made things. Shinobu was one of the six coyotes, hunters who were not Guardians and did not have a ghost. I think these gauntlets were hers and she wore them to be able to use a more lackluster skip grenade. But then these gauntlets put on a Guardian, multiplies their skip grenade to fly, sprint, and have extra damage. Uh... Normal skip nades have four skips while wearing Shinobu's Val. It has five skips. Um, and then another spin foil is Lucky Raspberry. The description, no one has ever died wearing me, makes me feel it has an AI inside it. This is supported to be a Rasputin submine called Raspberry. 
Why would this be? Because when we're in a year one Lucky Raspberry and using a heavy synth, you can reach 15 blank sleeper simulant rounds, the most possible and the only possible by this from the year one. So he, he, I believe that is a submine used by Rasputin to monitor and aid guardians and also help himself out by giving us 15 sleeper rounds. So. Huh. Justin, which one so you first want to take of all? For? Go for it, Justin. First of all, who wrote this? Julian. Julian, my favorite person. My <laughs> favorite person. So, for the first bit, um, that actually hadn't occurred to me, um, but it's a very valid point that you've got Shinobu's Val. Um is an exotic hunter armor piece that's largely attributed to a non-guardian. Um, could this be proof that, that you know, there were armor pieces that could provide guardian-like abilities to non-guardians? I... Or... Just off the top of my head, I, I tend to think no. Yeah, but it's an interesting take on it. It's a, it's an interesting take on I, it. I, I think agree. more likely, I think more likely is that she was a non guardian, and her her work as a non guardian distinguished her as mm-hmm. worthy of something more, and that she ended up at some point being a guardian. Um, well, I, I, <laughs> blue just. Yeah, he's like uh, not right. Um, what I was going to actually say is, it could be something similar to the Yellowhorn, which is a, a piece of Guardian tech made in memory of something. So yeah, this could be this could be too. something that was made to remind Guardians of what they should be doing, which is yeah. basically upholding, you know, Shinobu's vow, which is help the citizens. And all that. Um, moving on, the I'm sorry the the similarities between Rasputin and Raspberry is something that had not occurred to me, and that's freaking genius. Um, <laughs> it is seemingly as if as if. The lucky raspberry has a mind of its own just from the flavor text. Um, and all the all the work on on looking at the the effects on heavy ammo are are very interesting. I can't speak to them, but you've got my attention. Do you remember <laughs> the name of the other AI that we actually encounter? Is it the Maha? Charlemagne is he an actually? Isn't there another AI that we encounter? Oh, Mahamaiti is the submine is the ship AI, and then Martel is the core from Mm -hmm. supposedly the core from only. Yeah, Martel's only only mentioned in the brief dispatches. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and it's not it's not confirmed in the grimoire that Martel is connected to Charlemagne. But the the trivia connection, yeah, the trivia connection between Martel and Charlemagne kind of make me really like. I'm like eighty ninety percent sure that they're connected, um, just simply because Martel was actually the grandfather of Charlemagne, 
Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, and then there was uh, Ma, oh, it's Ma, Ma Mahayati. I think that Malahati. is correct. That's from Ghost Fragment, Old Russia four, no three, I, or one of them. It's one of those two. Yeah, it's the one where uh, the general is flying through the shipyard. It's General the, Lanshu? Yes. Uh, she is flying and she is having a conversation with Mala about Rasputin. That's where we learned that Rasputin was considered the first among equals. And apparently he was grumpy, which is not a huge surprise. Right. So Either way. Either way. This is a very good email. <laughs> Just <laughs> No, no, I, I don't think you you realize how this speaks to me. Um, this very good job, Julian. Very good job. So you you struck my spinfoil bone. Um, <laughs> right on the kneecap. Right on the kneecap. Right. <laughs> oh man! All right, and so we're going to jump into final comments and shout outs real fast. Green, you want to? take lead for us sure um the thing that i want to talk about is there's two of them uh, if you haven't been over to ishtar collective in time recently they literally just went live with a new feature there and they now have forums that you can actually sign up and talk about lore and just kind of help out with ishtar stuff over there so if you are interested in that head on over there and sign up it's been fun so far so i highly suggest it and the other thing is um with the book club which i'm kind of sort of heading up i guess it, we're starting our new book this next month and there is a poll that will be running until sunday and right now and we're doing a standalone book this next month in February. And right now the book that is winning is ready player one. Nice. I, I oh. really hope, I really oh. hope it stays. Yeah. I really oh. hope That's it stays. One. I haven't read that yet. And I want yeah. to. Yeah. That's I already checked one. it out. I'm already starting. So my brother's gonna, got it. I'm we're going to start it Wednesday on February 1st. We'll start that book. Hopefully. If it wins, if, if it, it wins, wins. Democracy no, shall yes. prevail. That's true. That's true. That's true. It is. It's Wait. got a pretty hefty lead right now, though. I'm. I will tell you, it's got it's a got, pretty hefty lead. I'm, I'd be surprised if it doesn't, because uh, when's the movie coming out? Isn't isn't it this the ele- year? The electoral votes shall be counted. Okay. Oh, God. As will the popular votes, but we'll go beyond that. <laughs> oh man! All right. Um, quick reminder for everyone, uh, you know, thank you again, Julian, for your, your awesome email. Uh, our email topic for next week is going to be the exotic warlock armor. Um, so please, please, please be sure to email your thoughts, your questions. You know, I know the chat is going at a pretty good clip, um, just like it did for this particular chat. Uh, and so we will definitely be looking for any emails there, uh, Again, our email is focusfirechat at gmail.com. And then also I wanted to give a big shout out and a big thank you to Rhino666. Uh, He does his lore cards every Thursday over on Twitter, on his personal Twitter account. And he was was gracious enough to let us kind of scrape the data from the relevant pieces of uh, items 
that we were talking about tonight and actually put those into our mind map and use them kind of to build off of in, a, in you know, to help supplement our own discussions. And we really appreciate that. And, you know, just thank you for that. So Justin, I know you had a couple. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to give a great big old shout out to green for joining us again. Um, always a, always a pleasure. And also, a giant shout out to Kashin for joining us last week for the infamous yes episode, which was amazing. And uh, also um, just a kind of a random shout out to another podcast. Um, one of our discord users, Moto X freak has actually got a spin foil centered podcast called rabbit hole radio. Um, if you guys haven't given them a listen, check them out at rabbit hole radio.podbean.com and check them out on Twitter at rabbit hole FM. I almost said a bad word there, at the end. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. Check them out. Definitely. And, and I think I actually should be probably showing up on their show before too long. Um, when the Dragon topic theory. is right. Mm-hmm. Dragon Perry, he was so like, basically, he sent we're me, gonna divert he sent me a message that said, no, no, Blue, you would, you would get a kick out of this. He sent me a message that said, hey, Justin, if you're going to be on a, if you're going to be on a episode of a spinfoil type podcast about a topic, which topic <laughs> would you most like to be on? I was oh, like, my. oh, that's easy. The nine. And the Hamkara. <laughs> and Ishtar Collective. <laughs> and the Vex. Anything with the facts, pretty much. And the stranger. Can I just be a co-host? <laughs> just whenever. It's, I'll, I'll co-host it. Just, just send me your info. Anyways, big, big, big uh, shout out to him. That's, yeah, that and, would be – I'd love to be on the, in a fly on the wall of that conversation. Oh, that's easy. This one or this one or this one or this one. Yeah, or the, so – so. Any open-ended conversation where we can't prove anything is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, no, uh, watch it's great. Pretty much, pretty much, we're all just Casio watches, um, but blues are Rolex. Um, Thank you. So, I'll take it. Uh, and then also my clan, Shadow White Crew, um, for struggling with me through hard mode the other night until I got booted because of potato um and that's it all right fairly short shout out for me tonight with that we'll begin to wrap the chat up thank you again to those over on twitch for coming to spend your evening with us if you'd like to join us please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focus fire chat links to all our sites can also be found with our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com Thank you again, Green, for jumping into the chat. Be sure I'll be putting those links into our show notes for anyone who would like to continue the conversation with you. Please be sure to also email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on iTunes or through email as well. Be sure to check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over on the guardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time, focus your fire. And may your light shine bright.